Hello and welcome to Running Inside Out Podcast, where we talk about the races we ran in, the races we're not in, and getting outside to see what's going on inside the Rochester running scene. In this episode, the guys from Goose Adventure Racing thrill us with tales of trekking through the mountains in the dead of winter, stupefy us with stories of speeding down gravel mountains with only a helmet and guts for protection, and pummel us with parables of paddling through 40-foot swells, all in the name of adventure and pushing boundaries. In addition to the adventure racing background, Goose is responsible for some of the most frequently discussed races on this here podcast. From the near-ancient Muddy Sneaker, you know, 18 years old, it's old enough to vote. Oh, I said vote. Um, to the newly hatched Ontario Summit Trail Races, going strongly in its third year. Doesn't really need to worry about voting. This is a long episode, but that's because these guys are long on experience. We find out what motivates them, we hear some great stories, and share a few laughs at the expense of our friends. And in addition to a few bits of adult language, we learn the words behind the GOOSE acronym. So, yes, not quite a Weldon episode, but um, there is a little bit of uh, adult language in this episode. So I apologize to those sensitive listeners, but we got to keep the GOOSE guys authentic, right? Right. And now... Before we get goosed, I'd like to take a moment to tell you about our sponsor, the Rochester Running Company. It's a new running store in town located on Mount Hope Avenue in Collegetown, focused on being a social hub for runners. Visiting the Rochester Running Company is a lot like a great run. Once you experience it, you want to do it again as soon as possible. Whether it's for the friendly staff, the cool brands that you can't find anywhere else, or the clean towels and cold water after one of their frequent and free group runs. You just can't get enough. And about group runs, if you're looking to get in some good long runs this winter, what better way to kick off spring marathon training season than meeting some new friends on a free Saturday long run? Yep, Rochester Running Company will be starting free paced group runs in January. They have speeds from 7.30 miles up to 13-minute miles, as well as walking groups. I said paced group runs, right? Yes, uh, they are actually currently filling pacer spots for all speeds. They'll have incentives and rewards for pace leaders as well. So get your run in and get a little bit of swag if you show up uh, on time, I guess, as pacers are usually want to do. Uh, so if you're interested in becoming a pacer and getting some cool store perks, you can email the store at Rochester Running Co at gmail.com or call 585-417-5575. If you can't remember that, you don't have one of those eidetic memories, don't worry. Uh, This information will be linked in the show notes. Show notes, show notes, where to find the show notes if only somebody would tell you. Uh, On your podcast player or at www.runninginsideoutpodcast.com slash 41. Check out the Rochester Company Facebook page for more info on the group runs um, and see all the other hustle and bustle out there with many pop-up runs and other running-related activities. Bring your friends, bring your running group, make some new friends, and meet other running groups. Rochester Running Company, run our city together. And with that, 
Let's get into the trails, training, food, friends, and yes, even feelings of Rochester adventure runners. You know, if you weren't the only friends I had. (laughs) Friends like these, eh, Gary? I'm friends with you guys because I have to be, not because I want to be. I feel like this is really weird. Like, you guys are so far away. He so, would get, slide it forward, I, right? get uncomfortably close. I mean, we could. No, I mean, this is fine. So, given that there's four of you and like people can't actually see you, I thought of a way we could actually start this. <laughs> yeah, that, that goes with the seeing part, Tim. <laughs> so, um, I was thinking... If we could start at the start, we could go. We could go my left to the right, and you could just kind of introduce yourself real quick so people could hear your voice, and then say why the other four guys would be. What is Diesel doing? Is this is this really is this what you're going to do, dog? Well, <laughs> It'll be done soon. So you I can don't start. envy that. Like when he looks himself. <laughs> so you could start and uh, you know whatever you want, but then. Why would the other four guys be hopelessly lost without you? Okay. Mine will be very short. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's go, Mark. What's, what's, uh, what's your name? Where are you from? What do you like to do? <laughs> no, I think, I think we're good. <laughs> Hands off the equipment, please. <laughs> Uh, my name it's is Morton Ace. Right. Should I go? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Ah. <laughs> this is not hard, Morton. Be a long night. Yeah, my name is Morton Ace. I'm the elder statesman of this group and elder one of the co-founders of this of this outfit. And my role, primarily, this with what we do is to promote, acquire swag, and um, promote and acquire swag. And haul. Haul. And haul heavy loads as needed or told to. So you're the mule. I am the mule. The mule. Mort. All right. So that's why they'd be helplessly lost without you because you couldn't carry broken bikes across the tundra? Uh, These guys are smarter than I. They just tell me to move things while they decide um, they read maps or get permits for the races to redirect and... (laughs) So yes, my primary that's one of my primary roles, yeah. All right. <laughs> hey, Tim. Hey. That's Chris. Chris. Thanks. What are you doing here? Uh drinking. Okay. Um so I'm Tim Rotowski. I'm the other co founder of Goose Adventure Racing. Uh I do everything. We'll just leave it at that. <clears throat> and, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I used to do everything. Yeah. And I've brought other people on so I can do less. And why would they be lost without me? Well, Mort can't read a map, so he'd be lost there. Oh, and I have a big-ass truck, so they'd be lost without me because I carry everything the hauling. in the truck. I'm so, a hauler. So he's also so you two guys basically started this thing because you had a lot of shit to carry. No, he uh, Mort pulls it out of the truck. I just drive it around. Oh, okay. Um, 
Oh, I was originally course designer for like all the races. I figured out where where to make people suffer and how to make them suffer. Mm. And then uh, I'm the brains. What's the beauty? <laughs> we still got two people left. I can't We're wait. We're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, okay. So, Rob. All right. Uh, I'm Rob Feisner, and I am a latecomer to Goose Adventure Racing. I've been here from the start, but not as part of the team, so to speak. I was volunteer at the second Muddy Sneaker. Shana, my wife, was actually a volunteer at the very first Muddy Sneaker, which was about 100 years ago. She is a professional volunteer. She's a professional right? volunteer. She doesn't mm-hmm. do it, or nobody does it as good as she does. Nope. Nope. Um, how would these guys be lost with if I wasn't here? Um Nobody knows how to use the internet, and so I put our pictures on the internet. And so, so that's kind of helpful. I concur. Um, people register for races because we've got this ultra sign-up thing going, and, and that makes things easy. And uh, on the racing standpoint, they'd all be up a creek because I bitch all the checkpoints. <laughs> they tell me where to go, and I go get it, and they sit around and try to figure out where to go next. And they'd actually have to get something if I wasn't here. I'll agree to that, too. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Mr. Howland. Uh, Tim Howland. I'm also a latecomer to the Goose team along with Rob. Uh, I serve primary role, I guess, of all-arounder and uh, somewhat of comic relief. I think that's pretty much my primary role. That's mostly I think I think you're giving yourself some extra credit I, there. I see. <laughs> Candy I, supplier. Say, I say funny things. Weber does funny things. Oh, okay. I think that's the uh, that's the rule breakdown between us. He's physical comedy. I'm more than verbal. <laughs> and uh, you're I cerebral. I guess I don't know why they. Well, Tim wouldn't be lost without me. The other two would be lost without me. I guess as long as he doesn't have a tiny stick. Um, and <laughs> that was we're not stick. going downhill. For, uh, <laughs> Tim is the team nutritionist. Oh yeah, oh, that yeah. too. Yeah, no one would be have Swedish fish, and Mort would get cranky, and it would just be. You got to get him on his, his regular feeding times, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm pretty true. much. I'm sugar supply. And then the the fifth member, who's who's unfortunately absent, is Ian, right? Ian Weber, and he's apparently lost without you guys, right? So so that's five. That's goose. <coughs> Um, so that's all I really had planned for this evening. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so I believe goose was sort of a topic of the, well, it was sort of a topic of the first podcast we ever had because we had just started recovering from Ontario summit trail race, the first Ontario summit. And Laura and Weldon and I sort of sat around after both Cayuga and Ontario Summit sort of talking about that. So Goose has sort of been a um, a point of contention in, in many podcasts. Um, there's a side that I don't think a lot of people get to see because most of this podcast is about trail running and, you know, running. But you guys do this other thing, right? And and I'm starting to understand that really you run races so you can extort money from the runners to go on your crazy adventures. Is that true or not true? Yeah, I feel extort is a strong word. 
You don't extort very well, granted, given that most of your races are super cheap. But is that is that why you put on the races to sort of fund your adventure racing? Because, mm. I mean, you're Goose AR, right? That's sort of really what it is, adventure racing. Mort right? and I started it in driving home from a marathon in Michigan. Hmm. And so we drove out to this marathon in Michigan. Uh, I did the half. He did the full. And on the way home, we were trying to figure out why there was nothing of this caliber in the Rochester area. And uh, so it's an eight-and-a-half, nine-hour drive. And uh, so the whole time I was driving, we talked about it because we can't talk about it when Mort's driving. Um, <laughs> we're just going to start there. <laughs> and uh, we decided that there needed to be a this is when trail ordering wasn't as big and popular as it is now, you know, mm-hmm. still kind of the taboo thing of, of the industry. And, uh, we decided we needed, there needed to be something in the local area to expose people to being more in nature and running at the same time. And so the whole way back, we had a bunch of different ideas and, uh, when we got back, that was like 98 or 99. I think it was like late April of 99, probably. I think so. And then I started scouting some locations to have a good trail run and making phone calls and getting permissions, and that's how we ended up in High Tour. And then I linked the Muddy Sneaker course together. And so we originally started because we wanted to offer the local community something more than the Lilac 10K or, you know, these road runs. Or Menden Ponds, even. Yeah, I mean, everybody was running at Menden, and they thought that that was, you know, wilderness. They're going to be attacked by bears or some crazy stuff. Deers. Attacked by deers. Um, And so that's why we started it. And we didn't ever really think we were going to make anything out of it. And the first year was... Uh, who, for the five people that are left at the sneaker and that were there, they'd know that it was just this very bare bones, two guys standing in a field saying, go. It's, it's really not. Uh, and that's, what's great about that race is it's really not much more than that now. Uh, I mean, there's a little bit sort of at the end, some, you know, there's an awesome, awesome soup at the end, which is pretty good. But I mean, it hasn't grown to much more than that, other than Mort saying like, this is the starting line where I'm standing. And now he hops on the back of a truck, like fancy pants, right? Like, yeah. So, I mean, that first year we didn't sell out. The second year we did. We put a number on it and we said, well, we really can't because we have to bring everything in for that race. I mean, water and everything, there is nothing there. So everything needs to be transported from, from Rochester down. And that's a lot of weight mm-hmm. and just a lot of logistics those first couple of years. Um, and so that was originally why we capped it. And it was also to make the, the landowners, you know, happy and not over abuse the trail system. And that second year we sold out. Runners World got a hold of it. After the first year and named us as one of five trail races you have to try, mm-hmm. and that that we didn't see that coming, and yeah. that the lecture publicity had runners coming from the second year we had a runner from Boston and expanded our region and we have sold out since and we're looking at so, our eighteenth this coming April. So Muddy Sneaker was the very first Goose event. Yes, <clears throat> yeah. Frozen Assets followed the following winter. Yeah, so we put the sneaker together and. Four months. We decided Four, to finally months. do it. 
we talked about it off and on, and then Tim finally decided we have to do this, and it was January for an April race. I quickly put it on the Ultra Running Magazine calendar. It was the only calendar that I knew of at that time outside of local options. Trail Runner Magazine didn't exist. or And that was like, that was, as Rob has said, you know, so that was like a phone call? to, to... No, that was, that was using the internet. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. It was on computers then. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, a lot of dial you had to dial up either way. Yeah. <laughs> So Al Gore just invented it. Our friends supported us. We had 67 that first year. And um, there are still six that have run every year with us. So um, I guess I was under the impression that Goose Adventure Racing started as you guys doing some adventure races and then deciding that you wanted to start running no. or start directing races. The opposite. Actually. Yeah, we started as directing that race, and then we went on to do Frozen Assets, the snowshoe race in Harriet Hollister, uh, and then Winterfest. And then Winterfest approached us and asked us if we wanted to do something in terms of the Winterfest in Menden Ponds, and uh, so we jumped onto that, and then we added cast six a hour. shadow maybe so the six yeah. hour race at Menden which was a much better location because the trail was awesome there and then we added out of bounds at Bristol Mountain and that whole time mm-hmm. as we were adding more races the money was going back into mm-hmm. the race so it was going back into buying our own coolers buying tents tents buying supplies. course markers so for a really long time we had we were not making any money at all. Everything was going back into, back into the race. Yeah, and it, I mean, the idea that you're sort of building this race now you're now you're adding multiple races. You have to be able to support them throughout the year, right? So uh, supplies. Right. Um, I mean, when we were talking about. Uh, Scott McGee buying coolers for Twisted Branch, and it was like his third largest cost was buying the initial set of coolers for a 64-mile race. So just the supplies and flags and all that stuff like that. Yeah, you hope they last for a while and some money up front. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so how did the um, – so it was you two uh, apparently for a while. What? How did you grow to be five – well, we used to have uh, – so it was the two of us and family mm, doing yeah. most of the volunteer work. Rob was there for the second year. Shane was there for the first couple of years. Um, they would fly and come in from St. Louis, driving from St. Louis at the time. Really? You were, you were coming into St. Louis just for races? Yeah, I was in grad school in St. Louis. Um, they started the race right as I had left for grad school, and uh, it – usually fitted a pretty decent time i'd come back we'd have rob and tim's day of fun <laughs> and and then you know we'd, we'd we'd hang out at the hang out at the race and volunteer and, and yeah have a good time rob and i have been friends since college okay so, so my ex-wife and rob's current wife she'll love that yeah are uh <laughs> we're friends in high school and then they met up again to, uh, my ex uh left the high school that Shana was in and then they met up again in, in college at Syracuse University and then I was introduced to Rob back in oh let's pretend 96 yeah I was 95 so I I met I met Tim's ex-wife and and we got to be friends and she said so my my boyfriend's coming up to visit 
and and he doesn't like people. I said, <laughs> that's, that's still you've true. had that reputation for that long. I said, I'm I'm both socially awkward and I'm always up for a challenge. So I bring it. <laughs> or I'm just socially awkward and don't care for the challenge. <laughs> yeah. So so Tim came over and he's like, you want to throw a frisbee around? And so we went outside and tossed a frisbee for a while, and then decided that it would be <clears throat> awesome if we opened up the uh, the patio door to the apartment that our girlfriends at the time were living in, and we had a awesome time whipping that frisbee into the house and terrorizing the girls and it was uh it's been downhill since love at first sight apparently yeah it's it, yeah it, bromance before it was popular <laughs> right, so then so but rob was driving in from st louis to volunteer and then so that's sort of he still wasn't part of goose and then you got ian and tim somehow right then the up. next edition really was ian um because Ian was doing a bunch of the races, but at the same time, he just kind of fit into the mentality that Mort and I have. In what, what, Laura's, what mentality is that? Can we like? <laughs> it's. Uh, you need to see his bridge stick. It's un, it's undescribable. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's something about getting outside, right? And there's something about challenging yourself. Yeah, we definitely like to test our limits. We have a good time doing it. You know, we. We, we definitely challenge our, our friends, and we – I mean, it started with pikes. Tim, Tim worked at Medved for a lot of years, and he came up with the idea that we should run pikes. And, okay, I'm in. And we all have that rough or just about anything attitude. So I didn't know enough about pikes, but he talked me into it, and all our friends thought we could never finish this thing. Tim refuses to train. That's another – Maybe we should discuss this. Yeah, but, Lop- so we- Lopata mentioned that uh, <laughs> on his podcast. He goes, he justified it as a reason for not training. He goes, Tim Rutowski, come on, Goose Adventure Racing doesn't like to train because he doesn't want to be injured. He he can pull more out of his ass than anyone else you know. <laughs> so he. As- <laughs> Is it Large pieces of furniture. Is it, is it because of how much he puts in there, or is it? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, I have seen a lot come out of your ass. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. What's come out of Rutowski's ass? So that's how we got to know each other. We went to we worked together for a lot of years and then went to Colorado and had a great time. We've both returned to that race more than once and um, so that's that's a big piece of what who we're what we're about is definitely we don't like easy things. The Muddy Sneaker course represents us well. And Tim showed me the course. He started by showing me the finish, walking it in the opposite direction. And I'm just laughing all the way down to Conklin's, thinking of runners who have to run this up. He kept looking over his shoulder and giggling. All those little turns, you think this might be the last, but yeah. it, it's never ending. I, lo- I love that once you get onto the double track oh, yeah. grass. It just doesn't just- end. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm on the double track. Hooray. Oh. It, you know, in Boston, they have Heartbreak Hill. Yeah. Uh, that section, we affectionately call the demoralizer. Oh. See, I told I told uh, Rob last year he should call it Heart Make Hill. So I, I, yeah, I know, I know. It's mushy. I, I appreciate it's your mushy. Uh, your enthusiasm. Yeah, but, it's uh, mushy and it's soft. <laughs> but it's, it's staying demoralizer because mm-hmm. it That's just fine. kills you. It does. It, uh, I once, the first time I was able to run it from bottom to the top nonstop, I was like, you know, praise Jeebus. This was amazing. Well, nobody runs from the bottom. No, I no, mean, the you middle. You first take that right-hand middle. turn. From the fire pit. I yep. ran from the yeah. fire pit right. up yep. to the yes. top. Yeah, the but, first from... Yeah. And, uh, 
the reactions we have received from people when they're at aid four in the sneaker course, where do I go? And then the person working just points up the hill. Is that, that's been worth it right there. That's that's worth everything. <laughs> you just go back year after year just yeah. to see that. Yeah, yeah. So then we picked up Weber, and Ian became a pretty good staple of doing day of stuff. Uh, he wasn't really involved in any of the the planning or the organizing of stuff, but he was a, a great day of worker. Uh, and then Rob dragged on uh, when he moved back to Rochester from St. Louis. We gave Rob a little bit more. Um, and then a couple of years ago, we brought Timmy on also to help out. Uh, mostly because we gave Rob and we wanted to do another race and we gave Rob and Tim Ontario Summit. So you said you guys are going to just do this race? Yeah, we said we should do a race at Ontario County Park. Everybody, all four of us, five of us love the trails there. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've all ridden them. We've all run them. We all loved them. We all wanted to be the first people to produce a race there. Mm -hmm. Um, We really wanted to do a snowshoe race there, but they shut the water off and everything Mm -hmm. when it starts to snow. One of the really good parts about that Ontario Summit trail races is having the the showers, the whole lodge. That's that's pretty key. Real and, toilets, yeah, and a nice it, place to hang out up at the top, even yeah. if it does flush on you mid frequent you know, frequent flushing. Yeah, <laughs> but it but it is it does make it a little bit more. It's it's the one little bit of creature comfort that I've ever gotten at a goose race. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, frozen assets, let's face it. There's there's not much creature comfort out there. Yeah, yeah you're right. Well, I mean, Goose <laughs> tries to keep things grassroots, and so like this is you know upping that a little bit, but still trying to keep with the... Uh, I think people expect a little bit more out of races these days, mm-hmm. and trying to find that the balance between keeping yeah. things grassroots and keeping people happy. And Yeah, it is the most um, RV camping... Uh, it's the it's the glamping of goose races, I think. It's growlers, burritos, flushing toilets. Like it's a gateway race. It brings people back to <laughs> grassroots. Exactly. We get them hooked, and then right, and then we take it all away. Or maybe not, because they do that race and they're like wrecked. Well, yeah. well, yeah. I mean, if you're midway up the gel center climb, it doesn't matter how many burritos are at the end. <laughs> Will there be worms at all your other races? <laughs> worms. Did you fly those worms in? Yeah. And Ontario Summit came about because we were no longer doing Out of Bounds. Yeah, and I, I when you said Out of Bounds, I had a, a brief moment of silence. I never got to run Out of Bounds. You're happy. Well, I've heard that I should be happy, but at the same time, like, it's a very unique race. Start at the top, run down, run back up, <laughs> do it again. Not a lot of races start at the top of the mountain and run down and then have you turn around and run back up to the top. We thought we had a unique idea. We ran, I think, for eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't uh, was never the success we hoped it would be. Because it's friggin' hard. It was, it was really hard, especially the Tim's half marathon course, the double descent. Uh, you, you left that one pretty wrecked, and there were a lot of <laughs> runners who just did that one time. Yeah. But... Um, you know, it was timed for it to retire, and mm-hmm. we did. And then, uh, as Tim said, we all loved OCP, and it was time to explore that. And then Helen and Rob were willing to do the heavy lifting with that and make it happen. So you have you have the the snowshoe races, which essentially, I mean, Morton Tim, it, it seems to me like you guys 
did a lot of laying the groundwork for the snowshoe community in Rochester. I mean, the racing, at least. There's a lot of, I know there's a lot of snowshoeing people that go around and, you know, um, tour. But the snowshoe racing, I don't know a lot of other races that aren't goose races that are snowshoe. Right. That was, uh, I had done a couple, I've done a few elsewhere and I thought it was a natural fit for us. And then Tim's, Tim was on board and started to explore where we should be. And, uh, we ended up in Harriet partly because Harriet's known for having snow when Rochester may not. Mm-hmm. And we've had snowshoe races in Harriet. When we left Rochester, there was no snow on the ground. Yeah. So that part is a special place for a lot of Two years ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's just a natural extension. If you if you love trails, we can get you out on them. Uh, snowshoe racing just an extension of that. Yeah. And so you have the you have the timed the cast a shadow right. right the six hours right run around in loops in yeah. snowshoes right which is our favorite race mm-hmm. that is that is one of the best days of all the things that we do. So I'll ask the questions around here, Tim. I was going to say at the end I was going to have an end. Which was going to say, hey, guys, tell me your favorite goose race. But so sorry. That's all right. That's great. We got to it. We're already done now. We're done. <laughs> Skip to the end. <laughs> Nobody's going to have to fast forward through this now. So that's cool. Um, so the snowshoeing, um, you've turned that into a series this year. So now it's a little bit like, you know, kind of crystallizing snowshoe. And then you got the, you got the running. Um, we're talking, but you guys do this other thing, this other side of the world. We're talking a ton about race directing and all that. But what I think, what I think, when I think about goose, I think about the wackadoo stuff you guys do with the 24, 30 hour adventure races, the hopping on the bikes, the, you know, navigating, orienteering, canoeing, all of that chunk. How did you guys get, how did that? start if you started talking about goose coming home from michigan and you got tim here who hates to run so he's somehow hanging out with you guys it it has to be something other than trail races that that's pulling this whole goose thing together passion (laughs) yeah that's how i first met tim oh yeah in weber when i first moved to rochester in 2000 i started uh hashing with my roommate at the time alan hatch and we started going to hashes, and it was, you know, running and drinking, and who doesn't love that? And so it was a natural extension, and then, you, you know, Woo! it was a good way to meet people, and you met people of a similar mindset, or somewhat similar mindset, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, In the same playground like, mindset, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, it's the old adage that, you know, it's a drinking group with a running problem, and just kind of natural, and you tend to set trail, and you go through places you probably shouldn't, or normal people wouldn't you know climbing under culverts that go under the erie canal that kind of thing like just the kind of stuff that's just fun and awesome and requires a special mindset which is i think also the same mindset that people in adventure racing do you gotta you gotta be willing to do stuff maybe other people don't want to or aren't willing to i don't know that's how i mean we kind of got into it from there and then i was just friends with these guys for so long that's eventually came into the goose fold as far as that's concerned that that really is where Weber, Hal, and myself met. What was that hashing? Yeah. Do you know what goose stands for? <coughs> well, so that, oh. that has been a topic of debate. Debate. We debate. There's an answer. There's I one know, answer. I know there is. 
we debated it on the second podcast with Lesher. Right. Yes, you did. And Ostrander and Jeff Green. Yep. And we decided that it meant go orbit outer space, everyone. <laughs> That's right, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> um, there was, what was one? Um, get outside um sports experience or something but jeff couldn't figure out where the other o was supposed get out to be. outside sports outdoor. and experiences outdoor sports and experiences outdoor sports and experiences. get out outdoor sports and experiences outdoor sports and experiences so go. it's like two sentences get yeah. out like period get out comma outdoor sports and experiences and then you added the ar later for the adventure racing team well, adventure racing not only applies to us adventure racing as teams, but we think so. Think of our runs as more adventures because their difficulty level is high. So even though we don't currently direct an adventure race, mm-hmm. um, currently, 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 yeah, currently. we yeah. don't uh, permitting issues are you know, yeah being worked out lazy issues. Um, we didn't start racing as goose adventure racing for a while, but we. Okay, but but just but just a second during the intermission, you had said that uh, that you weren't goose right from the beginning. We were not. No, uh, I think once upon a time I threw out the term "roads are poison" mm-hmm. um, to Tim, and he took it from there. Decided that's our website. Um, we I worked with a local friend to design our logo, the Skull and Crossbones logo, um, to reflect that, and that's sort of. That's that's the history of where that comes from. Yeah. So branding branding's been consistent for eighteen years now. Yeah. The logo that logo has been used since year two. <clears throat> Mort and I talked about <clears throat> adventure racing before we even talked about going to Pikes Peak the first time, <clears throat> but it just never worked out. Adventure racing is expensive. It just mm-hmm. never worked out for us to do it. And then a few years into the sneaker, we. We still talked about how fun it would be to to get into adventure racing a lot more and to direct our own adventure race. Um, just a bigger project than we ever wanted to take on. It's just mm-hmm. a lot of permits ex- included. It's a lot of legwork involved, and um, yeah, there's a lot. Uh, when you got runners on a trail, you just tell them to run, and you give them some water, and you know they kind of deal with it themselves. Yeah, we feel like we had our hands full. We're not professional event directors. We both have full lives with kids and all the other schedules that most of us have. Yep. And it was just the two of us. So that was intimidating to do an adventure race that would reflect mm-hmm. us well. You know? So instead, get a bunch of guys and go regularly participate in oh, adventure yeah. race. Oh, yeah. Participating, yeah. yes. Yeah. And with directing it also, we more talked me into doing this uh, putting a team together and going out to Michigan to do this race called Dances with Dirt, which is a hundred k. It's a hundred k relay. There's five people on a team and there's fifteen legs. So each person runs three legs, and you drive yourself around to do these uh, to do these different legs. Timmy's gone with us. Um, Rob hasn't done it yet. Weber's gone. Um, and every time we'd go out and we'd do this race, it was it was a great race uh, in terms of team aspect and everything else i mean just overall the race was great until it finished and you got these crappy cold pizzas from domino's but we always talked about could we pull this off in the rochester area and we 
always came back to the same answer is no, because Rochester runners are kind of wussy. (laughs) (laughs) In that nobody, very few people in the Rochester area would actually get behind doing this kind of activity because uh, there were parts of this race in Michigan that are swampy. I mean, there's one called Where's the Effing Bridge? There's one called This Sucks, where you just come out, you know, tits deep in, in mud and muck. And, I mean, Timmy's done This Sucks a couple times. Oh, yeah. Poison Ivy's a crop out there, so it, you're facing that, too. It's another. And so that kind of cut us down on a lot of things we wanted to do, just because we really did feel like an event of this caliber, in terms of adventure caliber, would just would not, just would not take off in this area. Mm-hmm. So you found you found challenging runs, but you haven't you haven't sort of you don't really run us through uncharted territory so much. Correct. It's mostly just hard trails, but nothing like off the map type stuff. We tell you where to go. We don't expect you to find it yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have all raced together in adventure races in various capacities, right? Yes. Like, and so when you go on these adventure races, usually there's three or four of you, right? There's not, I don't think there's ever, I've never heard of all five of you being in a race together. No, generally an adventure race is, uh, Solo. On the uh, solo, two person, two, three, or four. On the world level, it is a four person co ed team. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the United States, the elite level for adventure racing is three person co ed. Um, yep. But there are a lot of races that will offer a four person open division, which is all male or all female. And that's where the four of us here have raced before. Um, we did do a four-person male team with Weber's Rob uh, Ratowski, Nace, and, and Weber. For the most part, we try to we race as three. Yeah. So, what was the first? What was the first race that the first adventure race that Goose entered? As was, Goose, do, do you do you mark that at all, or was it just like three? First you race, race. First race Goose entered where we wrote Goose down as our team name would have been. Green Mountains Adventure Race Bitter Pill up in Craftsbury back in... Was that when you had two teams? Yeah, you and Morton, Timmy raced with Michelle Weiler, <clears throat> which the canoe aspect of that is hilarious. That was pretty amazing. And then I raced with Ian Weber and Laura's, Laura Weber. So what was what was up with that canoe ride, Tim? We we hadn't really practiced before that, so we we had some issues. We were fishtailing out. We were just literally just just drifting the canoe like it was pretty insane. Like you would just be going, and then you would just kick the bass end out and come around, and be like, it gets really frustrating when that happens like every two hundred yards, and you're like, I'm gonna have to paddle for like eight miles, and this is this is killing me. So we kept playing around with trying to get who was where in the boat and who was in the back, who was in the front. And Mort's obviously a little bit bigger guy than the rest of us, and Michelle's a pretty small individual. So you're kind of almost limited in some respects because you can't have certain people in certain places. So we played around with that a lot, trying real hard to go straight. 
So yeah. as you're doing that, are you are you going ashore to move these people around in the boat? Uh, sometimes when we could. I'm, <laughs> at one point, we did pull up on some guy's dock, and I remember climbing out of the canoe, and I literally with my legs locking up and cramping, and me just lying there with my legs in, like, just kind of screaming, being like, ah! Like, both legs locked up and switching positions, and there's all sorts of good stories with that. Particularly, it was great when we were... We were paddling back on the lake after we'd kind of gotten into what seemed to work as a semi-manageable position, you know, after like an hour. And we were coming back, we passed an, an older gentleman, you know, paddling his canoe, and he made the mistake of saying to Michelle something, to, basically something that she took as being pretty demeaning, so that didn't really go over so well. And uh, she kept accusing Mort of teaspooning. But... It was it was difficult. We uh, we did a lot of zigzagging, and it was it was fun, but it was a learning experience. There wasn't really a, a, Michelle was uh, an experienced paddler, but neither Morton nor I were exactly uh, you know experienced material, I guess. So if we had just practiced, yeah. gotten the line up straight, it would have made all the difference yeah, in the world. Paddle straight to Carnegie Hall. <laughs> Practice. That's been taken to heart. We practice now before races. That's, yeah. how, that's how we know that Rob doesn't steer the canoe. <laughs> yeah, this is for, yeah, it's for real now. <laughs> but I thought Rob also doesn't get to read a map. Oh, I get to read a map. I just don't get to read a map going downhill. Yeah, if we're going downhill, Rob's not allowed. Yeah, no, Rob can't read map downhill. <laughs> but I thought, Rob, you had told me that when it, when it's time to really just go fast, you're not allowed to look at the map. No. No. Tim Tim's got like a, a, a three dimensional weird matrix style understanding of topographical maps, and I could sit and I could study and I could triangulate and come up with an idea, but he's already there. Yeah, he's good. He's he's already looking at the lady in the red dress climbing up the reentrant, and he's like, "I got this." <laughs> <laughs> would, would you care to explain the lady in the red dress? The Matrix. Uh, I know. We could, kind of the Matrix. Well, I was going to say, we have a lot of listeners there. You know? <laughs> no, you don't. You have a lot of listeners. There's a lot of people. You will be finding out. People will come to you and say, so that thing. No, they won't. Uh huh. They're going to start posting on your Facebook page, Tim. Oh, 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 maybe, 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 maybe not. It's <laughs> irrelevant. He won't remember that. You, <laughs> you wait until the wait until the millennials get your phone number. Damn they'll, millennials. They'll be faxing you night and day. Sweet. <laughs> Adventure races. These are things 24, 30 hours. 18, 24, 30 hours, right? For the 44. Most 48. Yeah, 44. 40, 72. 40, yeah, the 48 was the longest we've done. Mm-hmm. And and the other thing is you guys aren't actually just, like, participating in these things. You're competing. I mean, you guys have won some pretty solid races. You've podiumed at some other races. Like, you're not just in there kind of like, yay, right? Like, I mean, you're working hard through these things. <laughs> you're so judgy, Tim. You're so judgy. <laughs> no, we, we are, yeah, we're... We try to be competitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, okay, fine. You're not competitive. You all suck. Why do you bother with it then? Oh, we, uh, well, uh, Timmy, Helen, myself, and Robbie, we had in, and we've switched off with Ian with our favorite adventure race is uh, the Frigid <laughs> Infliction in Vermont, which is a winter race. So it is ski, snowshoe, post hole. 
and usually some kind of rope stuff. And that we we have won outright, and we have won our division multiple years in a row um, through the combination of the the four of us as a three person team. Um, and then uh, again, Timmy, myself, and Rob did USAR nationals a couple of years ago, and we ended up third yeah. in our division. Um, and that was because of a lazy mistake of ours at the end of the race where we decided we didn't want to go up the damn hill again. We should have. Um, but we all agreed that we've had enough of that day because that was a cold, wet, miserable 28 hours of racing. Yeah, that was probably my second worst canoeing experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the zigzag being your first? No, we were, we were nailing it. We were crushing it that day. We, there were white caps cresting over the front of the canoe for yeah, the better the part of an hour and a half. Yeah, I played the wave break. That was my rule for the day. Yeah, our canoe was filled with water. I, I, I played the stabilizer in the back. I saved that boat from rolling a couple times. Mm-hmm. So Rob doesn't have the widest hips either, <laughs> and I was in the middle of the boat on a very wide... Rob just referred to himself in the third person. <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> So every time we hit a wave, I am sliding from the center of the canoe off to the side. And then we hit another wave, and I'm in the center of the canoe off to the other side. So I'm doing everything I can just to stay in the boat. So or every upright. time you crash against the side of the canoe, Ratowski's got to stabilize it so the canoe doesn't yes. tip over. Oh, yeah. Yes, and we did this for an hour and a half. But we cut... So we had these huge swells. I'm talking three... Three foot swells easily. Yeah, and we, you were rolling at us. us beautifully so I, the lake. so I'm hugging the shore in the lee so that we're not in the swells. But then we have to cross the lake. So now we're crossing the lake with these three to four foot swells, and they're all coming broadside to the canoe. And Rob's sliding back and forth, and Timmy's just paddling up front, going, "Son of a bitch! God damn it!" So you can tell how big the wave was. Based on how how much Jimmy's for, <laughs> and the the boat is filling up with water because it's just coming, out. and I'm doing these heavy draw strokes, just trying to stabilize the boat, and we get to the other side. So I mean, we cross this lake in these insanely treacherous conditions, and we get to the far side, and we're kind of in a lee again. So there's like no, there's no, there's like maybe like a foot. Rollers. Little swells, rollers, and uh, to this day, Timmy uh, blames Rob completely. But I was in the back of the boat, and it started to roll. And I went to pull a draw to like bring the boat back, and there was nothing there. And so I just went, "Ah, shit!" <laughs> and then all three of us are in the water. We made it through hours of just brutal conditions to only. To dump it literally five minutes from getting out of the canoe. Like, <laughs> the calmest water we had seen all day. And we rolled it. And, and the winds were picking up and there was that much swell because the cold front was moving in. So we're wet. So we're soaked. And it's getting cold. And now we've got a an open trekking section through the woods getting rigid. And it started and then, to rain. And then it started to rain. And we didn't take all of our stuff with it because it was an out and back. We knew we'd be getting back to our gear within three or four hours. So we didn't have a lot of extra supplies with us on the far side. Mm-hmm. 
Good times. Good times. Good times. Good times so, Rob, was it was it actually your was it your fault? I'll I mean, take partial blame, but no. I mean, it, I was, was sliding around so much. Once I got to the edge of the canoe, there was no there was no turning back. In fairness, it was a very slippery, like hard plastic seat. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying this, but Rob <laughs> may have over applied the two toms. Because <laughs> we all know how that goes. You get heavy with the two toms, and you go to wipe your butt, and you practically punch yourself in the face. <laughs> you know, and it's just like him with those two little cheeks right there. Exactly. Right? Huh. Okay, so we'll take it as Rob's fault on that one. Uh, yeah, I'll take the blame on that one. Um, I was going to ask about. My my favorite adventure story I've heard, the first ever story I heard Ratowski tell, but I think Rob needs a break real quick. <laughs> so, more um, uh, one of your uh, more more thrilling adventures with some of these guys. You got one that comes to mind? Um, well, I'd probably come back to the thirty hour last year because it was um, it was a good day, and there are a lot of stories, little pieces from that. We were racing the North American Adventure Racing Championships down in uh, Lake Racetown, PA. Um, Lake Racetown? Yeah, the little resort area. That's that's a very humble name, Lake it, Racetown. It's it's home to the Allegrippus Trail System, which is like Imba, like phenomenal mountain biking, world class like mountain biking trails. It's I encourage anyone to go down there and check it out, especially if you like mountain biking. Go hit the trails and just the in general is a pretty cool area. Yeah, and a trail race down that area. So, um, pretty excited about it. Longest race I had ever done. First time I'd raced with all three of these guys at the same time. And started at 7 a.m. There's so much to tell from that one. Um, hitting McDonald's. We circled McDonald's on our map the night before because we knew we'd want to fuel up there and grab it. Rob and I grew up running in and grabbing burgers and, and ice lattes and. What condition? What condition were you in when you descended upon the poor counter inhabitant at the McDonald's? It was actually fairly early, okay. but how sad I was later on that I didn't buy more burgers. Oh, you didn't um, buy the bought, the back the back supply of burgers? I did not. No. They bought, pack amazingly well. They mm-hmm. do. Yeah, yeah, you can just throw them in a bag, and they're good for days. Yeah, we've done them for winter camping. We just we just did. Uh, We're not going to go bad. Yep, throw a bunch of cheeseburgers in a bag and stick it in the bottom of your pack. Oh yeah, I inhaled one right away, but then later on, really hungry and eating half of a burger, knowing sad that I should stop because I want this other half later on, and then mm-hmm. sad later on because I only had a half. So it just that, um, but that was an early stop, so it wasn't particularly wrecked at that point it was probably noon or or one o'clock and it was already hot it, it was, was later it was midday it, was that might, it might have been a little bit later than the, the air like conditioning had broken in the mcdonald's that's right so it was like i want to say it was 85 degrees outside but it was literally because they had they had a like an indoor thermometer in there it was like 94 degrees at the counter because wow. the ac had broken like i actually yeah. felt bad for all the like people that's behind a, the counter that's a sophisticated it was, you went inside McDonald's. expecting it, it was going to be like Air conditioning, it was going to feel magical. You were waiting to walk into the doors and just be hit, like, and you're like, and you walked in and it was not that, and it was like terrible, and you're like, it was awful. And, and we weren't like, the only team there, break. so this was, this is a common strategy to carry a few bucks on you so you can take advantage of those opportunities. Because we knew, we did, we, plotting out the map the night before, we knew this would be our only chance at McDonald's or probably any grocery along the way. There was a story that you guys, you, I think you guys told me about a late night 7-Eleven 
Oh, guys. That's uh, these guys, not me. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, uh, which race was that? Was that Nationals? That Tennessee. 7-Eleven? Oh, no. That would have been the 48-hour. Tennessee was when Tim and I that stopped was a 48 at a grocery hours. store. Yeah, because we ran into uh, It was just a convenience store when we were at, oh, yeah. when we were in Equinox Traverse. That was 48 hours. Yeah. And we hit Equinox Traverse, and uh, we hit this gas station, and Shana was operating the the transition or the the TA outside the the place and we were in there and yeah it was, was the longest transition we've like the longest yeah we thought it was like 20 minutes and also Rob's like it's been an hour and 15 I'm like no way it's been 20 <laughs> no, minutes like no it's been like an hour I'm like oh shit we had a picnic on the floor and like <laughs> on the convenience store on the floor like we're just hanging out in front of the microwaves and like just spread out we're this whole gas camera. station calzones and we're just Grabbing bags of food off the shelf and eating them, and then and, paying for them afterwards. And everyone else is doing the same thing. Teams are all huddled in there because it's a, you know, it's a cold night. Other teams are just just sitting there shivering uncontrollably on the floor, like people crying in the corner. I was about to say it was the first time I've ever seen one of the lead teams like crying in the corner. We won't name names in that one, but and and when you're doing this, are are is there like let's let's strategize? Like, are you pulling out the map and trying to show these jerks where you're going, or oh, is absolutely. this survival mode? No, every every transition area is one person is taking care of changing out food. Tim Rutowski is always on the map, plotting our next couple hours. You know, so everybody's got sort of a purpose. Unless it's roads. Unless, Unless it's roads, then I hand the map to Timmy Holland. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't want to handle because they're poison. He doesn't want to deal with roads. Because roads are poison. Default me. Yep. So, Mark. Anyways, back to your uh, your (laughs) McDonald's (laughs) burger joint here. So you you um, unfortunately did not buy enough burgers. Right. Yeah. So now you're hungry. Are these guys doing like the burger in the face kind of? Look at my extra burgers. (laughs) No, we were all in that same mode. Tim on map and. you know, fueling as needed. You know, other stories from that race, uh, there's the paddling at night during the swells. And, but coming around, I'm glad there's a fourth member here tonight talking with us because we had a bike crash. Yeah, yeah, we were going to, we let's do we that. We are going right? to get to that, yeah. we. No, let's do that. I just said, when I said Rob needed a break, because <laughs> I just talked about him tipping the boat, I didn't want to yeah. pile on the bike no, crash. Back, back to Rob. But, uh, right. We had... Um, so this is the second morning of the 30-hour adventure race, and we had a long... Late morning. Late morning, yes. We had a long... Yeah, we were getting really north here near the end. We were at a long climb up this road, finally got oh, to a point... Is, this is four-person race. It's all four of you guys. All four this is a four-person 30-hour race. Yeah. Yep. And we're at, we're at about hour 26? 20, 25 or 26 at this point. So we've been up straight, including prep time prior to race. So, I mean... For these adventure races, we're always up before the race starts, and we never get to bed on time the night before because we're all just going through our packs trying to decide yeah. what am I going to take for food because everything is carried with you. Yeah, and you're going to be out there weighing their pack, and someone's crying about how much their pack weighs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you know, we're all pretty tired when you start the race, but but now we we've gone through, we've paddled at night through big swells, we've mountain biked, we've trekked. And it's 26 hours into a 30-hour race, and we're at a pretty we're, we're pretty high up overlooking the lake, and we've got a long descent on 
a backcountry dirt road that's been freshly graveled. Logging road. Logging road. It's it's not really well traveled, and the gravel is thick and squishy. Loose, yeah. And it was it was kind of treacherous. Kind of, kind of treacherous. Kind of treacherous. Well, I think so. It, so this is the first ever story that I heard that I heard Tim Ratowski tell. We were standing <laughs> we were standing at Winterfest, and I think it was still fresh at that point. And that and so what about the fall before? Probably I think you still had your scar at Perhaps. that point, Rob. Yeah, a little bit of foreshadowing. Rob had a scar months later. A scar was found. Yeah. So all right. So we were mountain biking down this road and. As we tend to do on a downhill, you just open up because finally you don't have to do a whole lot of work, right? Even we just climbed up this huge hill on the far side. Let's just open up and go. And Mort, being the mule, he's up front. He's just barreling God. down this road. And I've got Ratowski second. I am in third. And Howland is in the back. And we're, we're pretty well spread out. Um and as I said, the, this, the dirt, the gravel was, was pretty soft. And I caught my wheel in some of the gravel, and it starts pulling me off to the side. And I'd like to think that there was some sort of subconscious decision being made because <laughs> on the side of the road, there was a huge culvert, and there was a drainage ditch. And I knew that if I kept going across, I was going to go on that ditch, and it would end with, with broken bones. Or I could just... Dump it right there on the side of the road. So Rob is to my right, coming down this hill, and we're we're clipping pretty well. And I got about three quarters of a bike on him. And you can tell the difference between riding where the logging trucks are and where the loose gravel is. And I start hearing the loose gravel coming from Rob's bike, and so I, I'm kind of looking to the side, but trying to hold my own line. And I see Rob's bike just wash, and and then you hear nothing, which means nothing's touching the ground anymore and I go oh shit so I'm trying to watch I'm trying to slow down but now I'm starting to wash because I start getting in the loose shit too and so I finally stop 70 to 100 yards downhill from Rob and I look up the hill and Rob's on his back kind of rolling to the left and to the right and I go oh this, this probably isn't good but at least he's moving I go, Timmy's still up the hill from us, so that, you know, Timmy will get to him first. So I get off my bike, and I leave it in the middle of the road. I go, oh, okay, I'm not going to leave my bike in the middle of the road, you know. So I bring it off to the side, and I put it up against a tree, and I go. And I start walking back up the hill. I'm about to take off my backpack, and I go, well, I got the first aid kit. I should probably carry my <laughs> backpack with me. I start walking back up the hill, just, you know, a slow jaunt. And uh, Tim comes down the hill. And sees Rob just lying on the side of the road. And I'm watching Rob now still just rolling back and forth. And he takes his helmet off. Like, well, that's a good sign. He can take his helmet off. Then Timmy walks up next to him and looks down at him. And then Tim kind of looks down the hill at me. And he looks back at Rob. And then he sits down next to Rob. And I go, well, that... That's probably not that good. So I start jogging, uh, moving a little quicker, going up the hill. And then Rob, you can kind of see Rob rolls over again, and he sees Timmy sitting next to him. And then he <laughs> buries his head in 
Tim's lap and gives him like this hug. And I go, well, that's, that's definitely a bad sign. <laughs> so then I start, so then I run up the hill and I get up and I'm standing next to Rob. And Rob looks, rolls over off of Tim and he looks up at me. He's just got blood coming off his face and off his arm and his leg. And I, the first thing going through my head is Shane is going to kick my ass because I let Rob get hurt. And that's like the number one rule of Shane letting Rob race with us is that he can't, he can't die. And then Tim looks at me and goes, you didn't fuck up my wheels, did you? Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that's so, my number two concern. Right. Yeah, yeah, well, Rob, like, Rob's, Rob's borrowing my carbon wheels. So I'm like, you didn't, you didn't fuck up my wheels, did you? you know, my, my carbon wheels. And so Tim's in there. He's like, well, I don't know how bad it is. And then Rob looks up and he, Timmy will attest to this. His eyes disappear in the back of his head. Oh, it was Shark Week. Yeah. <laughs> and they were back. They were rolled all the way back. And then his eyelids start fluttering. And I look at Tim, and Tim looks at me, and we're both like, holy shit. <laughs> Rob's going to die. And so I start looking for like water to throw in Rob's face. And I just start clapping my hands and just yelling, Rob, no. No, Rob, no. <laughs> And I'm like, I don't have any water, so I'm about to piss on Rob's face just to, like, snap him out of this, right? <laughs> and all of a sudden, his eyes come back, and Tim and I at the same time just go, <sighs> and Rob deadpans. Hey, guys, thanks for stopping. <laughs> this whole time, Mort is down the hill because he just took off going downhill. And so he starts riding back up the hill again. And we're sitting there, and by now, we've got the first aid kit out. We're more into like, okay, did you break a bone? We're trying to figure out if it's broken. I'm like, Rob, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to like tweezer some stones out of your face, you know, just to get you back together. We're butterflying them back together. Yeah, and Mort, like you were saying, Mort was first, so he's, he's down at the bottom of the hill. Way down. It's like, what the, the hell, guys? I have to climb all the way back. What the, what's going on? <laughs> Come around the turn. You guys stopping for lunch? Oh, what the hell? Rob's body's between the Tims, and oh my God, that's not good. And, and I'd rather not see that look on Rob's face when I finally got up there, that look of worry, pain, um, and watching these guys clean him up because, yeah, he had the divot in his face. And Yeah, and a lot of times, I mean, you guys just have, like, misadventures, but this was real deal, right? This was the first first real goose adventure racing uh, misadventure. So then Tim and I are riding, like, F-14s against Air Force One (laughs) with Rob, like, the rest of the way, because we really have have three miles left, and then we're done with the bikes. Did you put the bike back together? Was it okay? That bike was fine. Well, the helmet was cracked. The helmet was, like, split, like, right there. The right brake lever I had to hold in place because the the bearing the, for the for the hydraulic brake needed to be held in place to make sure it wouldn't work. So I was holding my brake the whole time. Yeah, and Timmy and I are just like flanking him, like riding him down this hill. And Rob looks over at me and goes, "Why are you guys riding next to me so attentively?" <laughs> I'm and a I, big go, boy. I go, "I go seriously." <laughs> he goes, "Yeah, it wasn't that bad." I go, "Do you remember this?" He goes, "Well, not really." And then. So Rob's not really believing me yet on how not good this whole scenario was. And then Helen pipes up from the back and just goes, Rob, thanks for not dying on us. And Rob's like, it wasn't that bad. I, I think it's sunk in over the the course of a year and a half now that it wasn't that good. 
No, I think what really like let me know that it was probably more than just a, a little scrape was when we got to the bottom of the hill, <laughs> we had a trekking section. So we had to go, we had to find some checkpoints on foot. And it's getting late in the morning now and we're walking through, you know, some established trails in a park and we come across a family with some kids <laughs> and the, the kids walk by me and <laughs> grab their parents' clothes. <laughs> What's wrong with that man? Plasma, just, plasma blood just dried all over the side of his face. Rutowski looks him right in the face and goes, and that's why you wear a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That was the day I found out Rob was a nuzzler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a cuddler. <laughs> well, when you're when you're mildly concussed, you do you do weird things. Boy, that was also the same race we found out Rob can wear a buff like a skirt. This is uh, true. That's <laughs> well, we found out he can't fill out a canoe seat. So. <laughs> That was also the same race that we had the night paddling, and that was probably that was that was awesome. That was awesome, and at the same time terrifying. Yeah. Once we got rid of the bikes and the wind died, it was yeah. it was awesome. That was our first race where we've ever had to transport our bikes for ourselves within our canoes. So we split up into two canoes. So Rob and I were in a canoe. Tim and Mort were in another canoe, and we had to we had to transport our stuff as well as our bikes in the canoes. And let's just say this loaded. We've been in a canoe. Take two mountain bikes plus all your stuff and throw that in there. And yeah, it's not low. exactly like you know you got one leg over a wheel. You're yeah. you're playing Jenga with a bike and your canoe and things are hanging off the side and you're trying to paddle and keep this thing stable. Then add white caps. It's yeah. and, then, and it's dark. It, yeah, it was in the dark with white caps and nobody knows where you are. Nobody knows you're yeah. paddling across the middle of a lake, dark and it's not. There's not really a lot of like lights up. That are bound, so it's pretty dark. And if you do, like Rob can have a light off the front, but if I'm in the back and I have a light, all I see is reflective gear off the bikes and Rob's back, so I really can't have a light. So, and you just you can't see the waves coming, and you're just really trying to paddle by feel and get where you need to go, and it's just it's super stressful. Because <laughs> you're like, if I dump this out in the middle of the lake, it's the middle of the night, it's chilly. I got bikes, we got packs, yeah, we got people. There's nobody. I mean. You know, you're 20 hours into the race, or there's nobody. I mean, who's who's around? And you're in the middle of a lake, and you're like, get prepared to try to rescue bikes, bags, gears, and like try to reflip a canoe out in the middle. Like that's just it's stressful. <laughs> it sounds shitty, but that's exactly why we do the races in the first place. Exactly. To get into those stressful situations, yeah. right? right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the draw. For I got, I've never explained it. I don't know if anybody ever has. Adventure racing is a navigation sport. <clears throat> so you're trying to find an orient steering flag, which is about the size of a shoebox, in the middle of a woods, based on a point that has been sometimes pre-plotted for you on a map, on a topographical map that was made in 1980. If you're lucky. If you're lucky. And sometimes it's not plotted on a map. Sometimes you're just given a list of numbers, and you've got to figure out on that map where that point is supposed to go. Hope that you're good at putting it on the map, and then find it. And so then you just it's it's orienteering on acid. I don't know. That, yeah, with map, good... with maps that like if you've ever done orienteering, the maps that you get for orienteering are they you will never ever see a map like that. Granted, the sec- maybe if they give you an orienteering map during a race as a small section, like. 
just go grab a 1960s USGS map off of the internet and be like, that's what you got to work with. You know, some of our races were like, there's major four-lane highways where it's just, you know, it's on a map and it's like proposed or, you know, coming soon. And you're like, okay, you well, to... oh, the I-81's coming soon. Awesome. Rob and I have been looking for roads that are, have been <laughs> renamed and don't exist anymore. Uh, I was racing with Lars and, and Ian once, and yeah. you know they're just showing this major road with this big bridge on it, and the bridge was blown up by the Third Reich or something. I don't know, but it wasn't there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is crazy. a worldwide endeavor? Oh, yeah, it was huge. <laughs> it's a little piece of Yeah, it was this huge worldwide endeavor in New Paltz. Uh, <laughs> But so, in adventure racing is a navigation sport. But then there's the three major disciplines are uh, some kind of paddling or or water movement, and then there's uh, trekking and mountain biking. But you do not know what order they ever come in, or what distance any one of those legs ever will be until the race starts. And then you're kind of given a pamphlet that tells you what the race instructions are and how to maneuver yourself through this through this event. And you are self-supported the entire time. So it's not like a, you know, people are like, oh, it's a triathlon. And no, because they hand you food and have arrows telling you where to go. And so the navigation is a huge role in it. Usually it's not that difficult. It's more route planning is what makes the race. Well, sometimes there, there's also the... There's the mandatory checkpoints and the optional checkpoints, right? And right. like you were mentioning, like you bitched out on a checkpoint and you didn't right. win, right? Yeah. First place at nationals to third place at nationals. Yes. Right. And so, we decided not to go for a checkpoint because that race was just so cold and miserable for all of us. That is the tire. I mean, it was only, <laughs> it's only 30 hours. That is the tiredest I think the three of us have ever been on a race. I mean, we. I have crashed mid-sentence after a race and not woken up for 10 hours. Oh. But middle of a race, I've never really been as miserably tired and cold as I was at that race. Because uh, after the paddle section and it was raining, we got back to <clears throat> where our gear was and the bikes were. And we were inside. And like, okay, we got to get back out on the bikes and go ride whatever is 12, 15, 20 miles. And the three of us looked out the doors to the uh, hotel we were at, the convention center where our gear was stored, and it was pouring. And all three of us, Rob, uh, Timmy, and myself, were all just like, "Um, what if we just wait like 15 minutes? (laughs) (laughs) Wall of water. And the temperature just kept dropping, and it just kept getting wetter and colder, and then Usually, when more when dawn breaks and the sun comes out, you kind of get this revitalization, you know. Mm. On that race, dawn broke and the sun came out, and another cold front came through, so it got like even colder, and it was still raining. And we got back, and <clears throat> we were about a mile from the finish line, and the three of us were all discussing it. We're like, okay, there's this point at the top of this hill, like we could go get it. Like there's kind of another one just past it. We you know, we could, and then. And we all decided, screw that. We're not, we're not going back out. Mm-hmm. There was one though that Mort was telling me last week about the time when you you actually did convince everybody to go get the last checkpoint, and you made podium because of that one last checkpoint. New Paltz, longest oh. day, uh, and then frigid a couple of, the, the frigid the year after. Um. 
the year after the USARA third place, I was like, okay, if we have time, we're gonna we're definitely gonna do this again. So the big one was at Frigid. It was uh, Ian Weber, Rob, and myself, and <clears throat> Ian was having a rough day of it, and we spent two hours looking for that one checkpoint and we thought for sure we were just done for the day because we spent all this time looking for this checkpoint the snow was five feet deep with snowshoes on we're pushing that for half the day and we come down the hill and we get to this one checkpoint I like a Robin Ian and I go well finish line from here is 12 minutes away you know I've been on this hill before I've skied it we're 12 minutes from the finish line and we have 20 minutes to cut off. And there's this checkpoint on this other trail on the other side of this gorge. You know, what What do you guys think? Like, we screwed the pooch back there. You know, do, what, what do we need to do? And, um, Ian, who was, was having a hard day that day, he just goes, whatever, whichever way you point your skis, I'll follow you. And Rob's like, yep, we're going. So I pointed him through this brush that nobody has gone through before. It's heavy pine. And, uh, and we took off through that, and we ended up in this creek bed, and I thought for sure we were screwed there. And uh, We got ourselves up the other side. Rob went up a little bit higher, so he wasn't in as deep of a creek as I was. And I finally get up to the trail, and Rob's coming back down at me. He goes, I got the, I got the checkpoint. I'm like, well, I'm looking at my watch, but we got to get out of Dodge. <laughs> <laughs> and Rob, Ian is our best skier, um, Rob and I are not great. And so we implemented the bail turn on cross-country skis, which is you just curl up in a ball and then point your skis a different way and then stand up and go like hell and then curl up in a ball and stand up and go again. And That's how I ski. <laughs> <laughs> downturn, downturn. And we ended up, uh, Ian, Rob crossed the line first, I was right behind him, and then Ian crossed the line right at the 10-hour mark. And that one last push to that final checkpoint uh, put us in first place for that day. Yeah, um, it's crazy when a ten-hour race comes down to a matter of a couple seconds. Well, and uh, and the the one in New Paltz was kind of the same thing, right? Was that that made third place, whereas it could have been just another. Yeah, the one in New Paltz was was close to that, but we were also standing on this bridge where the checkpoint was supposed to be, like right on the bridge. And I'm looking at the map, going, "Well, it it needs to be here." Mm-hmm. And sometimes you find the checkpoint as as a marker because if if you're where you think the flag should be and the flag's not there, then you're not where you think you are. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then you're screwed. And so we were where I thought the mark was and Weber thought the mark was, and um, we couldn't find it, but we were getting late in the day. And uh, Robin and Morty... And Ian were like, well, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go, because we got to get back. I'm like, well, it's kind of hard to get back if I don't really know where the hell I am. So I got to find this flag. And so I just started walking through the woods. And they're like, where the hell are you going? What are you doing? I'm like, well, we got to, I got to find it. And it was just over this little nub. And uh, so I'm like, oh, sweet. You know, we, we are where I think we are, and we got it. So, and on that race, they had... Uh, these little finger dibblers like the Rochester Orienteering Club does. So everybody has to punch the mark. You all have to be at the checkpoint together. We all together. have to be there. We can't just bitch Rob to go get it. We can't just be like, Rob, it's, you know, 
It's 100 yards that it's, way. It's somewhere Go over get there. it. It's always up. Rob, it's it up always, there. Rob, it's up there. It's Go up get there. it. Rob, it's, God damn it's up it. there. Go get it. I can't see it. We'll just walk in a straight line and, and go get it. Usually Rob can't see it because I'll leak this information also. Rob is red-green colorblind. So we have these orangish-red flags hanging in these green trees. So Rob usually can't find them until he's right on top of them. <laughs> and it's always Rob's thing of, I want to find one before Rotowski does. I want to see one before somebody else does. That's my goal every race. But back to New Paul. So we're sitting there, and I find this thing. I'm like, hey, y'all got to come down here and you know dibble this thing. And so Rob comes down, and we start walking back up. I'm like, oh, shit, you know, we're getting real late in the day. Well, Rob, we got to empty the tanks to get back. And Rob's response was, I thought we already did. <laughs> <laughs> so have you, have you had that point? where there's three or four of you and it just all falls apart. Like it all falls one. The, the, the mule doesn't want to carry a shit anymore. The orienteer guys, like I told you guys we're going this way. And, and the bitch is like, I'm not getting any more flags. And like, has it, has it ever just kind of crumbled? I don't think not everyone at the same time, but in any given race, each person is almost guaranteed to have a bad spot. At some point, someone's going to need somebody to do something for them. Yeah, and that's where the great team comes in and half. You know, like if somebody needs to do something, then somebody does what that does because somebody's probably feeling good and can take over that job or do whatever they need to do. But we've never had. I don't think where we've all been. Maybe really close during. Maybe really nationals. close during nationals mm-hmm. when we were so tired. Where literally there was this orienteering section up, uh, and we were, there was a park road, and then there was just these hilltops that were ranged anywhere from 600 to 1,000 feet of just super steep climbing, and there was basically a checkpoint on the top of each one. 8-4 at the Muddy Sneaker. Uh, yeah. 8-4 up, yeah, up or to, worse, to the but not on a trail. campfire at Muddy Sneaker. But imagine no trail. No trail. Just bushwhack. That, full bushwhack. points, and they're so dense in between, you can't just come drop, drop down and go up to the next one. You're basically coming all the way up. All the way back down to the road, go up the road a little farther, find a point to head, attack it from, go back up again. And we're doing this, you know, time after time after again to get these points. It's like seven or eight demoralizer repeats. And we are you looking know, for a shoebox in the woods at the top of the and back down, and you're, and you're, you're crushed. Soaking wet. And this Two is after we dumped the canoe, we were so cold, and I, all of us were so tired because we'd never been, we'd been cold all day, and it just exhausts you. And so... I had tried to sleep on a rock numerous times earlier, and I was crashing hard. And then we're walking down the road. Rob and I are literally, like, just drunk walking down the road. We're lucky if we can stay in a lane. We're just bobbing and weaving, trying to stay on the asphalt, walking down this park road. Tim's, you know, 30 yards back, and every now and then we stop, and we only know he's there because we just hear him just dry heaving. Just stop, bent over, look back, and try to register that that's what's going on. We would none that we have never been. I've never been that tired in my entire life. Like it was just you're walking with your eyes closed, like trying to sleep and walk at the same time, and just keeping one foot feeling for the side of the road. If I'm on pavement, I can keep my eyes closed. But if I feel if I feel rocks, I'll open them back up again. (laughs) But you placed pretty high at that nationals, right? We did. Yeah. No pushing through it. It was a rainstorm, and it was just biking, and it was just downpouring hours, just 
bat in the hatches and just. So I think I think that's why you sort of had no sympathy for a bunch of little trail runners who sign up for a twelve and a half mile race, right? Because you guys have been through thirty to forty four hour endeavors like this, where you know that people can sort of do it, right? They'll get there. Everybody will finish. They'll, Most they'll, of the time, they'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, which gets back to that glamping of Ontario Summit. The whole idea that you can sign up for a marathon and only run half of a marathon. Beautiful, right? It's amazing. It's this, it's it's this, this kinder, softler goose. It's this forbidden <laughs> fruit hanging out there. And you're like, it's still fruit you can eat, but do you, do you want it? Do you want to kinder, use it? The kinder, softer goose. Are I you going to be strong enough to take that second lap? That, that's your decision to make. Yeah, I bet you, I bet you Morton, Morton Rutowski are like, yeah, these young kids at this rate. Right, seriously, it's... I don't, it's I not think, our baby. <laughs> I think people drastically underestimate how difficult that race is. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, th- I think people are, it's a marathon. It's a trail marathon. I can do that. You know, but when your first loop is two and a half hours, you start to think about if you're going to go on another loop. But I, I think if you're out and doing what you guys just described 30 hours at a time in white caps and canoes in the dark, like, you're running a trail race. Suck it up and, and deal with it, right? I mean, you know where you're going. And you have an aid station. Yeah. <laughs> this is supplying to you. The worst is, you know, I mean, you do races and you're like, like, like Tim says, like, the problem is if you don't find something, you went looking for something out in the middle of the woods and you're like, if I don't find it, now do I really legitimately have any idea where I really am? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, most of these races are somewhat bounded, like, if I needed to, you can just shoot a heading and go try to get to a road in a couple hours if you had to. But you're like, well, damn, that, that's not the kind of thing you want to do. You're like hours away from thing. And you're like, okay, well, I'm kind of semi-lost if you don't find your point. Right, and there's kind of like that whole sunk money fallacy, right? We've put two hours into this checkpoint. Yeah, oh, another 15 need, minutes. What's 15 more minutes? Or should we just bail on it now? Maple, yeah, and then you yeah. get into, you get into night orienteering. That's an entirely different game. Then that's a good game. You so to, you uh, mentioned you mentioned Maple Highway. Is that what you said, Tim? <laughs> it is what I said. Okay, because I, I have these I have these supersonic ears. I can hear what you said. One of the X Men over there. <laughs> we were racing the Bitter Pill Adventure Race in in Vermont, and part of this was a trekking section up at the Cochrane Ski Resort, which is absolutely oh, wow. riddled with plastic pipes because the whole hillside is being used as a sugar farm. It's all maple trees. And there's an enormous network of pipes connecting every single maple tree all the way up the whole ski resort. And one of our checkpoints had a clue. What was it? Maple Maple Highway. Maple Highway. And we're on just an entire expanse of hillside with hundreds of plastic tubes and we got to find our our checkpoint maple highway it's going to be near a pipe we got to find it where is it timmy was unhappy oh yeah <laughs> going up the hill because we started at the bottom of cochran's we had to go up, up the ski we had to go up a ski slope to the top and then do some stuff up there and we were on the heels of our main competitors yeah and we could constantly see them and then we'd be in front of them and we'd see them behind us and then we'd see them in front of us and then we'd see them behind us. It was kind of going back and forth the whole time. And then we come into this maple 
you just see these lines. And we've Rob and I had been through the lines two years before that, and you know they just keep getting bigger and bigger because they got smaller lines dumping into bigger lines. You know, we swear we're on where the checkpoint should be, and we're in the right place. And there's huge pipes. I'm talking like inch and a half diameter yeah, maple like sap two pipes, or three you know? like pipes that are bundled together, multiples of them together, and you're like. Think about how much maple's like how much how much sap that has to be. And then we run into we run into what the three of us have affectionately called uh, fu ferns because <laughs> these ferns are like from Jurassic Park. Oh, they're, they're just huge. They're huge, but they're hiding uh, stinging nettles, briars, and fallen trees. And they're usually wet, right? So like you brush one, and they just completely soak yeah. you. And so we're just you're constantly shinning yourself on like a fallen tree, but then you're also just getting shredded to hell with briars and stinging nettles. And we spent we lost the race because we spent so long looking for this maple highway, right? Because we thought we were on it, and we were off of it by. 100 feet so we finally ended up back up the hill and we found like these three inch pipes like well so oh, that's three, the- <laughs> three inch pipe six even made a three inch sap pipe <laughs> three inch sap pipes are bigger than one and a half inch sap pipes that's the real highway yeah sure we were, yeah so so you sunk a lot of time and so did you ultimately bail on finding that checkpoint oh no we found it yeah, yeah just way more time than you I'm, I'm way too stubborn to bail yeah, because <laughs> you're there, and it's like you you're, can't give up on it. You're already there, and and you're so confident in your navigational skills that you know you're in that area. And you have to again. You have to you have to know where you are in order to know where you're going. And if you're just guessing, the, again, the three of us were racing in West Virginia, and we lost this point middle of the night, and we can't find it. And we come back out, and we catch up with this other team, and I'm trying to talk to their navigator and he's kind of being a, a, a dink about it you know and i'm like well shit whatever so uh, we just decided on this uh, on a bail route a safety route I'm like hey we're just going to head do whatever until we hit these power lines yeah so we have no idea where we are and we just head this safety direction we hit these power lines we look up and this guy on the other team goes well we're high elevation wise and his teammate goes well how do you know that he's like well i reset my watch and Howlin looks at me and he goes, how the hell did he reset his watch? And his own teammate, the other guy's teammate asked him, he goes, where'd you reset your watch? He's like, well, in there. He reset the elevation on his watch. And the three of us are looking at each other going, how can you? It doesn't work that way. Can you reset the <laughs> elevation you on your were. watch when you don't even know where the hell you are? Like, that doesn't work. <laughs> and so they took off a different direction. We bailed on that one. And we were like, we're out of here on this one. Yeah, if you're, if you're at... Yeah, altitude doesn't work that no. way. Really? You just can't reset you don't zero. You just decide where you're at. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we followed those power lines through much more briars and up and over and into some guys. That guy's back here. The dogs, dogs barking at us. Sat on the edge of a road for a minute and took a break and then just kind of used the power lines to get yeah. some places. I think I think this all this all just speaks to why why you don't need to have sympathy for trail runners <laughs> like. It's just a race. It's a their course is marked. There's flags out there. You know, just run. It can always get worse. <laughs> yeah, there could be worms. It's Murphy's second law, right? You could have more on skis. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. I didn't want to. There it is. I didn't want to. I didn't want to do that one. 
All right, Mark. Sorry. It's my job as a journalist. Tell me about skiing. Oh, well, yeah. It falls in with the dark moments that we've had, and I I attempted frigid. So I had my dark moment right from the start of this race where I thought I... Uh, I thought I could fake it, essentially. I could get through the cross-country, backcountry skiing well enough to get to the snowshoe, the post hole, and all the rest of the stuff. And not the case, no. It was a sad, pathetic mess. I was a sad, pathetic mess, falling. It was like a boxer answering the bell. I just had to keep getting up, keep getting Uh up. And I was racing with Rob and Tim Howland. And to their credit, you know, they were able to flip a switch because we were going to be competitive. Fitness is on our side, and we are going to be competitive. But these guys were able to realize pretty quickly that I sucked, and we would—I would only get through this with their help. Um, out of forty teams that year, we finished the first ski leg next to last, and I was beaten up already in a, less than halfway through a ten-hour race. And then we had a post hole. And then followed by a snowshoe section to get us to the fir- the only rope element of the day, a trolling traverse, and we were in twelfth place. And on the tail, uh, on the we found Rutowski, Weber, uh, Ian, and Laura. Uh, so we caught up to them a bit, but made up a lot of ground. We passed a lot of teams, so it came down to fitness, and we were able to move over the yeah. mountains we really, the, really uh, well. The- fastest snowshoe leg of the day which really made up ground for us yeah yeah Yeah, i was gonna say this it also in fairness in the winter being later sometimes really helps you don't want to be too late because sometimes if there can be a lot of false trails in the winter you know if somebody knows where they're going and then they create a trail and you have to make an assumption about whether you believe that trail is good or not so it's great you're like oh great there's a trail here and you're like well that might make my life easier or it may entirely screw you you're like, if you have, do you have faith in that they knew what they were doing? Because if you don't, then you do your own thing. So, but we crushed the snowshoe like that year. Yeah, and when we were wearing welcome. skis, we uh, <laughs> we did really well. But had to put the skis back on, and more of the same continued. I had a really tough time, and sent Rob off after a lot of checkpoints. And they, these guys were really patient, getting me through this thing, and. Um, for me, the hardest thing I've I've, I've ever done. The most. Now, have you picked up skiing since then? <laughs> I've not. <laughs> no, I. That's the, that race is the reason I had knee surgery. I've never been oh. so wrecked after anything. I couldn't tie shoes at the shop for almost so, a week. So literally beat up. You weren't oh, just yeah. you weren't just sore and achy pants. Like, my spirit was beaten. Like you have my, two. You have two new knees. I had falls where my knees were twisted, and that was wow. hurt quite a lot. Um, fighting, falling the whole day. I broke my bed poles to do all that I could to keep from falling at times. It was... Uh... We all laughed at Rob hugging Tim when he fell on his bike, but the first the first hour of that race was, was Rob snow plowing down the hill with more, with yeah. his arms wrapped around him behind, just, just using Rob as a ski break. He's trying yeah. not to die. So the biggest guy in the team and the smallest guy in the team. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, not I'm pretty. Down the going, I'm, down the, I'm down the hill being more being like, where'd they go? The <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, these guys are really patient. It was a, I have not returned. I will not return until I become somewhat proficient at it, if, if that ever happens. It, yeah. uh, a lot learned. 
that. So, so you had mentioned you do a lot of you do a lot of carrying. You like to mountain bike as well, right? You're pretty good at that. And Tim, you kind of said you're jack of everything, right? For the most part, sure. When it comes to the race, jack off. <laughs> <laughs> you're kind of a jerk ass. <laughs> um, no, but but like you don't you don't really have a, a specialty as it were as far as racing goes. You have the navigation, but oh, he's like, the, yeah, he's uh, our primary navigator. Yeah, but like biking, mathematic. canoeing, running, like what is it that you really sort of what do you look for in a race? What do I look for? Yeah. Uh, what do you want like? to go with me? <laughs> but if you look at a race and you go, this has X, this is totally my race. No. Assault weapons? No. No. Assault oh, yeah. weapons? Eh, yeah. Cave? Uh, no, I'm not. I do not excel at anything. Uh, navigation is always my strong point, so I always hope there's some good nav. Mm-hmm. I always hope to not totally disappoint everybody. Yeah. And I prefer to be cold. I, I don't like middle of the summer warm stuff, which is um, why the frigid infliction is one of my favorite. I mean, my best year at the frigid was when it was 18 or 20 below zero at the start of the day. Wow. That was that was awesome for me. Um, Rutowski is the yin to Hirkin's yang. Yeah, right? <laughs> the, the, the heat miser. Yeah. Right? Um, but yeah, I nav is my strong point, and then I am fair. I'll say I'm fair everywhere else. I can't. I'm getting old. I can't climb anymore. So my riding a bike up a hill or me running up a hill is just hmm. poor. Maybe I should start training, but that's not going to happen. Let's yeah, be honest. It's fine. That's good. Don't I'm train. Just to. just go pull things out of your ass. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, but I also, I personally, I feel that if there's still day left, I'm still going to be moving, mm-hmm. you know, whether I'm moving fast or not, I'm still going to be moving somewhat. And I, I really enjoy the night too. Like as soon as it starts getting dark, I, I really enjoy when it's dark out, which everybody else just starts kind of faltering at that point. So, you know, I, we always hope that only one person mentally goes down at a time yeah i'd say it's it's pretty great to have a navigator that enjoys the dark like that's a that's a pretty big asset <laughs> yeah yeah our teammate discounts himself a little bit though too though when things get gnarly this is the guy you want as well and when See, things turn south sometimes weber broke his derailleur during a race he made a single speed out of it in 10 minutes less than 10 minutes so that we, we could finish this thing um when rob had his crash yeah the brake lever was pointed straight you know, it's um, he's he's better than fair. Crafty. Um, it's nice to have a mechanic on the team. Yeah, mm-hmm. but who doesn't? Yeah, never never panics. You know, he just he assesses it. Yeah. He's he's willing to piss on your face if you go unconscious. <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> yes, that's it. Yeah. I mean, so, if I, mean, I wasn't we, so dehydrated that I could urinate, I probably would have. But yeah. <laughs> you know, there's something to be said for racing twenty four hours, but not pissing for twenty four hours after you finish because. Yeah, that's and you haven't pissed the twenty four prior. Think, I think there's a medical condition. <clears throat> Unless you yeah. go to Dairy Queen and then you just piss out your ass. He's also a very giving fellow. Like he, you know, mid race he's always offering guys jerky and whatever he can do, to, <laughs> whatever he can do to keep you moving. I mean, but, fresh, fresh cut. I'm talking good jerky. By means of jerky, he's referring to the skin off of the bottom of his foot. <laughs> 
really more off the heel. It's it's called Tim Jerky, but uh, it's just big slabs of callus. Is that FDA approved? It is. Yeah. It's not a race in Canada. It's, it's Canadian approved for it's organic, pesticide free. <laughs> I don't know if it's a. Uh, it is a GMO though. It's, <laughs> it's <a> GMO. <laughs> And so, Rob, we say you're the you're the checkpoint grabber. Yeah. Is there any is there any other kind of activity in the race that you really enjoy? I really enjoy the trekking sections. Yeah. I tolerate the paddling. Um, I, I I do enjoy the mountain biking, but I'm certainly not the strongest. <laughs> as we've, we've as we've discovered. <laughs> um, my strength is just plugging on. Like I, I'll just keep going. I'm not necessarily going to lead. I'm not going to tell you where to go. If we're going downhill. I am not going to navigate because I tend to miss turns, and then we go a lot further downhill than we need to. Yeah, I've experienced you missing turns in, in well-marked trail races. So Yeah, it's happened. It's happened before. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. Love you. Yeah, but I, I do love the trekking sections. Yeah. Tim, what about you? I love it when there's rope work. Yeah, we haven't talked about your climbing at there's all. There's not... Races nowadays are really shying away from rope work in races. There's not there's not a lot of it, and I think it's uh, both a logistic issue for for race directors to try to organize that and have because you don't have people out there so long, and you want to do it in daytime, and it's hard to where to put that in a race. You can't have it too early in a race because then the ropes are too crowded, and if you have it too late in the race, then people are spread out too much, and people aren't going to get there. You don't want to cause backups at the ropes. It causes an issue, but that's one of the aspects I really like. Wish more races did, but I understand it from a both a logistic and a, like a cost and an insurance standpoint. Millennials, I really appreciate that. Like Bitter Pill, that we really love. They usually have a Tyrolean Traverse. Um, some years they've kind of done like a the other year they had like a Commando line in, in place of that. It was kind of a a balanced thing. Or they did it at the. Uh, it was a year I was there. You guys did the uh, like the. Like a high ropes course, you guys? Yeah, frigid. Did? Yeah. Yeah, frigid. There's like yeah, high ropes course, which is kind of something fun and different. Like, I really like it when there's rope work. I'd be happy if there was a, if there was a Jumaring section or at least a rappel section. I kind of love that stuff because that plays to a little bit of my strengths more with like climbing and rope work and alpinism. And like, I kind of look forward to that and I kind of cry a little bit inside when like the section gets canceled or you don't get it or they cut it out. I mean, I've done races before that where we've been literally riding up the top of a ski resort hill and we get up there and oh, you just missed the cutoff and we can't do it. And it's just, it kind of breaks a soul. Our race directors, you know, beforehand, like, well, how are you going to ensure everyone's going to get to the ropes? Oh, yeah, we got it. We have all contingencies, you know, covered. They don't. No. And you never can, really. But I don't know. I like the ropes and I really kind of like, I like the mountain biking sections a little bit too, especially when the more technical, the better. Like, I really loved it when we were in race town. Like, Ella Griffiths was so much fun. Mm -hmm. Just flying through those trails was pretty intense. Like, it's just fun, especially in some of the night sections. You get the headlights rolling, and it's just, you know, you can't beat it. It's good stuff. So good. Yeah, I rode, I rode my bike through Dry Road Park one time. It's awesome, it was, right? It was pretty great. <laughs> I <laughs> crashed twice. I didn't break my helmet. What so. race was it we were doing uh, where we had to do, I mean, normally the, uh, you know, some races have a lot harder navigation than others, depending on who puts them on, and sometimes they're pretty challenging. I mean... We've had races where it's been maybe up to two kilometers between checkpoints, and trying to shoot and navigate and hold a bearing for two kilometers through the woods is that was wild and wonderful. Is different, yeah, wild and wonderful. That's difficult, mm -hmm. and the forest was dense. I mean, I'm, we're talking like at this point we were having to move forward and use like a basically a loop frog technique. 
So someone stays in the back, Tim would shoot a bearing. I would run on the bearing and he would keep me on bearing as best we can. I'd get as far as I possibly can. And at this point, like it's so dense with the rhododendron and everything through there you can't see. I'm literally grabbing trees and shaking trees until he tells me I'm on the line and where we want. I'll just shake a tree. Oh, we're good. And then I'll stay there until they come up to me. I'll grab the compass. I'll, I'll transfer the bearing. And then somebody else runs up ahead and shakes a tree until we keep going. And you keep leapfrogging this way through the woods because you can't, you can't see each other. Mm-hmm. And you do this to try to move two kilometers through the woods to, to get someplace. And you're like, that's a, that's a really long shot in the woods. <laughs> as fast as you can. Yeah. And we nailed it. Yeah. Because, <laughs> again, right. yeah, there's, uh, Jeep, tra- there's Jeep trails on the map, but you can't trust that. We've had that pan out. We've had it work out well. And you have times where, you know, you suddenly end up, you know, you're on what is not a Jeep trail. And you end up in the back of some guy's yard. You have to ask him for water. This sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't no fancy city water, but you can have it. (laughs) But you can have it. (laughs) Or you're going around checking doors to see if something's open, like anything's open, so you can try to get it, you know, and find water along the, you know, anywhere you can get it. Yeah. Bunch of beggars with a map, it sounds like. (laughs) We've also learned that if you want Tim to run faster, you just put put him in front. Yep. So, all right. So that's that's Goose Adventure. Um, now you got a full year of races coming up. Right. This this is what's called the transition. I don't have like transition segue. music or anything. Very smooth. And it's pretty terrible, but whatever. Um, Tripped over it. <laughs> <laughs> so you got a full. You're doing a new thing this year with the the snowshoe series. Right. Right. So you got. Um, you start with frozen assets. Like, was it the day after? January 7th. January 7th this year? Yep. Mm-hmm. Late this year. It's the first Saturday of January when yeah. it's not the first of When the it's month. not the first of the month. Right. It's like, it's like government scheduling right there. Yeah. Um, so you're going to string all these snowshoe races together. You got um, Muddy Sneaker, right, which is uh, you've got that going online registration now, right? Right. Um, which is been pretty successful the last couple of years right get fast as, far as what as far as uh online registration works yeah this will be the i think the fourth year yeah of online reg since we gave up the lottery yeah people get in yep fast fingers sold yep. out in three hours three and a half hours last year three and a half hours last year so fast fingers yes. um you have five people that have run six. all six people that have run all 18 years yeah Okay, and then you have um, Ontario Summit. You got the 13 and the 26. Right. Mm-hmm. And then this year, now, Goose has taken on the Damn Good yeah. Trail Run. Right. right. So that's kind of a new deal. Yeah. And there's going to be changes with that a little bit, right, or not? The way registration is handled, yes. The, the We're leaving the race alone otherwise. Okay. So the registration will be, like, closer to race day? Because it hasn't opened yet. It's opening in May. Okay. And there will be no wait list as there has been in the past. Right. Um, in the past, it's opened up, I think, in December or January. Mm-hmm. And a lot of turnover, a lot of the wait list being used, mm-hmm. and a lot of no-shows. Mm-hmm. So our solution to that, we're going to try opening it later, much closer to the race. I think it's the first week of May. Mm-hmm. And we are not going to have a wait list. We've gotten away from wait lists with all of our mm-hmm. events. Uh, just don't like that all that extra communication. Right. So, so make up your mind, register the race, and don't train like Rutowski so you don't get hurt. So you can actually run the race. Right. Exactly. So okay, so you got 
the damn good trail run, that's a new new deal. Yeah. Right. So that makes five races total that Goose does. Besides I mean, sorry, not five. So you got you got frozen assets, Winterfest, Muddy Sneaker. Well, cast the shadow. Cast the shadow. shadow. Six hour race. You know what? New ten k snowshoe race at the Cummins Nordic Nature Fest. Center. Nordic Fest. Yes. I mean, the little road that goes along with with Ooh, cast yeah. the shadow. But, but the new one is the ten k at Cummings Nature Center. Right. Yeah. Which is going to be the finale of the snowshoe series. Finale. And that will be February. <laughs> about two weeks after 18th, uh, February eighteenth. Two weeks after Six Shadow. Five. So our snowshoe races go with a weekend on, a weekend off, weekend on, weekend off, which is pretty stressful for us because everything's just right together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the coming course, uh, in my opinion, because I found it, is phenomenal. And uh, uh, coming is, Cummings has been super helpful in wanting to get this off the ground and do something on their property. And uh, they're being very open to just about anything we want to do and portion of those proceeds from that race are going to go to coming nature center and also to the rochester nordic ski patrol which is a volunteer organization that uh, is like national ski patrol at bristol or whatever but it's for nordic ski patrol so they do patrol menden harriet cummings and one or two other places locally yeah, I think it's, a, it's an opportunity. I think a lot of people may have been there if you have families, you know, to go down and visit Cummings and go down there for the pancake breakfast. And, you know, it's a big thing with RMSC down there. It's a it's a really amazing resource that I don't think a lot of people go and visit or take, you know, advantage of. And they have a, actually have a ton of trails down there. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of property and a lot of cool things to do. They're always having events. And they kind of reached out to us. And I think it's kind of cool because there's not – as far as I know, there really hasn't been, at least not in any sort of recent past, like any events there. So I think it'll be a new venue for a lot of people, which I think is cool. Because I think that's what a lot of people want to do these days is they want to explore. They want to go and do something that they haven't done and maybe in some place they haven't done it before. So, yeah, I think in a way Harriet Hollister is that for a lot of people that show up for Frozen Assets because it is so far out from the city and so far removed. So that... So that makes six big, Seven. big races. Damn it. I, I count. Okay. We're counting <laughs> Little Road and separate from six hour. No. Okay. Yeah. Assets first. Four. Five, six, Assets seven. Yeah. yeah. We have four snowshoe events and three, uh, three trail races. races. Yeah. Right. So that's a big deal for, for five, mostly part-time, you know, people. So yay, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask, like, how's that all work? But, you know, you guys all look kind of sleepy. So <laughs> <laughs> It's better shared. You know, it's, um, yeah. you know it's, that's what's great about having the team of people that we do. I mean, it was just him and I. I was glad it wasn't just me because you know, we, we shared <laughs> it all. for the suffering, right? And now five of us, you know, we couldn't do without each and you know, everybody's mm-hmm. help. It's, yeah. And the chemistry works for the stuff we directed. The chemistry works when we race together. All right, so even though Ratowski tried to spoil it earlier, let's go. Uh, what's your favorite goose race, Mart? I'll, I'll go with our original Muddy Sneaker. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I like that sleepy morning. After. We're down there all day Friday. A lot of people don't know this, that we go down Friday and we, we mark trail. We have a good time doing it. We might ride. We might 
we will drive some of it and it's a good day and we camp out together so that piece of it is really is a lot of fun and there's that sleepy morning and then just seeing high tour come alive because there is nothing there we bring every piece of um that race and then watching it come come alive and all the friends which make every event really very cool but seeing that come together and um I'll go with that as as my favorite. It's a good one. It's yeah, not, it's, it's not no, I'm, we're, it's, it's hard to believe this I mean, will be you know, number eighteen. Eighteen and years. Yeah. We're glad to still be around, and it sells out fast. Seventeen sellouts. I mean, that's not so bad. It's, right? it's not too bad that yeah. the people are okay with what we do. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Tim? Uh, the sneaker is still the one that I want to spend. That I want to make the flagship event. You know, still the one where I want people to walk away from that one, no matter whether you win or or not. You know, you're just walking away from that, going, "Holy crap!" You know, how did these? How did I walk away from this event with what I have just to spend a day in the woods? You know, and mm-hmm. um, but in terms of sitting there all day, the shadow is uh, shadow is the one that puts us up there because the first year we did shadow more and I were sitting outside after four hours and it was snowing on us and we we're like, Holy crap, four hours is way too long. Everybody's, everybody's pissed at us, you know, cause we're making, and we went inside and the, especially when there's a lot of teams shadow is the best because the team strategy starts popping out after about four hours on rotating who's going to run so you can get certain people in at certain times to, uh, you know, to come in the end, and that's the one where we're usually all at the finish line, so we all know the process of the race. I mean, that sneaker and everything else, we're all spread out, and none of us are really in good communication with each other. We're in communications of, you know, something bad's going on, you know, can you fix this? Uh, but Shadow, you start seeing the teams working through their ways and trying to make the trying to make a good day of it, and the competition level is just... It, it, it's contagious at that shadow. Yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna do a team this year. It's the way to go. Yeah, I, the solo thing seems like it's for silly people, but <laughs> but good luck to those silly people. Especially Camelot. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Ram? What's your favorite one? I gotta say sneaker only because I've seen it from every angle. You know, I started by volunteering back when this was you know just a baby race and. I didn't know anything from high school cross-country running, and I thought that it was just lunacy. And it was fun to watch people, you know, run through the woods, but, you know, never would I have any interest in doing that myself. Yeah, what's really weird is you were at the second one, and, like, I always think of you as, like, 23 years old. And so... I was so I was five you, years old. Yeah, so for you to be five <laughs> years old at the first sneaker, it's like... I was the original chicken... <laughs> he was actually in a shell. He came out of the shell. Yes. Actually, he was he was the chicken, but then I, I believe at one point we could see him uh, like uh, you know also Molt. plucked. Yeah, molted. Yeah, plucked. naked chicken. Yes, the naked chicken. There's no truth to this rumor. <laughs> You've never seen a naked man run up the demoralizer. <laughs> so did you lose? I have. I have. <laughs> so Rob, did you lose a bet? No, no, all right, well, okay, so, <laughs> I was, story's really not that I was big. not particularly wild in college, but I would let loose periodically, and then I went to grad school, and while I was at grad school, I got married, and there was, there was some idea that Rob had 
had stopped being college Rob and he was now married Rob. He was he was boring sounds mundane like it, Rob. It sounds like this all came from Matowski <laughs> since you two went to school together. Yeah. So boring mundane Rob moved back from St. Louis and and but I started, you know, picking back up. I wanted to start engaging with Goose again because it was so much fun. And so it wasn't it was shortly after I got back from grad school that we were setting course and Mort and I were, were setting the demoralizer from the bottom up to the top. And Ian and Tim had thought at the time that it would be a great idea to maybe get some filmed footage. This is back when you had like tapes and a, and a video camera, and you, you, you we, we'll have we were, a video. We were trying to make a video for the sneaker, like like Weber did for um, Out of Bounds. So if anybody remembers the old website, the old Out of Bounds, Ian Weber actually did a video for Out of Bounds, and it was for our low budget, which is zero. It was it was a pretty good video. So we were trying to make one for sneaker. And so Weber and I were on one side of the gorge trying to get video of people, like, running up uh, the other side of the gorge. This but is very near the, 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 the fire pit The fire pit you were talking about. But it's Friday, so there's no runners. So we sent Morton Rob over to run up the gorge. I said, just, just the two of you, run, so we can get some footage of some runners. So Mort's up front, and I'm right behind him, and we run, and they get the footage, and they say, turn around, let's do it again. We want to see another one. So we go back down. <laughs> Like more, I was like, "What?" I didn't take off my clothes. He's <laughs> like, "Hell, you are!" I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> it'll be, it'll, it'll be it was of your own design. Yeah, this it was amazing. It, it'll be funny. Tim will laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and so they they yell, "Go!" and we run, and I run, and I'm skinny and pasty and very very white and. Mort's running behind me, and Mort is... At Mort, why didn't you run in front of him? He wasn't running fast. No, Mort was a much stronger runner uh, than I was at the time, because I really wasn't running. And he was just falling off behind me. He didn't even want to stay close at all. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so damn funny. And then we could hear Tim and Ian just break out when they finally spotted Rob from across the gully. Um, laughing is... So there's been rumors of a naked albino yeti in the high tour region, and, and that's probably where the, the rumor comes from. Well, as we've established, I have lots of listeners, so now the word is out. There's a video out there. I'll, I'll release it for the right price. Weber has it. <laughs> well, you said it was, it was 10 years ago. But it's on an old, yeti by that. It's on an old high eight across the gorge. It can't. It can't be very... It's fairly pixelated, I would imagine, at this point. <laughs> Great. Compression artifacts. Yeah. Two years, maybe. 20th anniversary of the sneaker. They'll have to come out. Yeah. Celebrate it, right? It'll be on the bib numbers. There you go. Yeah, like, like Mr. Holland was, right? I have one on my counter. It was brought to me today framed. I saw it. Nicely, since I, I adorned it. pretty much everyone's crotch at uh, Medved Madness. Yeah, it's really great. And I, I really like the take of the, the four-digit bib numbers. I mean, that's that's glorious. Nobody's nobody's brave enough to go up in the four digits in these no. local races. Anything else? Anything else? Does that lead me to be my favorite race? Do I not? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to share. Well, I mean, go ahead. Tell me about running naked up something. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that would be a hash story, which I guess is for another time. Um, Multiple. Yeah, right? Who doesn't love bike paint? Anyways, uh, I would default to Muddy Sneaker as well, because that was the first goose adventure, like goose race that I had ever done when I moved to Rochester. And I kind of, in hindsight, wish I you know, had gotten in on the ground floor. I think I started running that like 
two or three years. I moved here in 2000. I don't think I ran sneaker until 2003, maybe. So I missed it for a few years, and you know, I kind of didn't even know about it. And then I like caught on. I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. So I still think that's kind of my original. That was my my gateway drug, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, I guess I would also have to say Ontario Summit, really, um, just because that's it's feels more like my baby even though I don't want kids that's you know where I'm at um you've got I, shitty kids right <laughs> your kids, kids are bad kids, kids have worms so I I I really like Ontario Summit because I, I again it goes back to I it's think it's a great park and I don't think people utilize it enough like I mean like the Twisted Branch and they start out of there it's a it's an amazing facility a great park with some amazing trails um some of them were there. A lot of them have been built by, uh, you know, Grok and the Mountain Bike Community that built some amazing trails through there. So I really like that park and I like running there. And I don't think a lot of people get down there because, you know, it's a little bit outside the city and it's a little far for people to travel sometimes. But I really like it because it's something that I get to put more time and effort into and have more of a, you know, an input and basically laying out most of the course and just kind of being happy about how it is and. I really kind of like the winding, twisting nature that I think adds a little something to the race that's different within its own right other than just location. Yeah, and I, I like think being able to see somebody that's a mile and a half ahead you, of you. With, the, with a lot of switchbacks through there to get up that hillside, it's really hard. I, I think it's mentally challenging from the aspect of you may not always necessarily know where you you are or where you're in a placing or how you're doing or whether you're gaining or losing on someone. And then just the course layout is challenging because I think it pushes you and kills you in certain locations gives you a chance to recover but then we'll you know we'll just knock you right back down again and if you're feeling strong and you pace yourself well you can really capitalize that on that yeah there is a midway point there's begging people to just drop and we'll give you a prize for dropping and you know I think that's hard for people and you're still going to get a burrito at the end of the day but you know there was a point in in last year's race where I was I was running and and I you know I was running with Mertzok the whole time and, you know, the second gel center climb I faded and, and he kept going and they get up to the climb up to the top, finally done. I'm like three miles from the finish and they see Mertzok running along the trail in front of me and he's like, great race. And having run it the year before, I know that he's about a mile and a half ahead of me. (laughs) And he basically gave me the consolation, great race. And he's going to finish 15 minutes ahead of me. I'm like, I have to watch this guy be this far ahead of me. I think it's I think it's kind of jerky. I, I, love it. <laughs> I mean, just saying. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah. I mean, with aid three, we have people coming in in two sides. Yeah, I love it's that. The two way station. station. You get to yeah. see other people, and then same people, same again. And I think that really adds like a yeah. definitely really adds a, a nice aspect to it. Yep. The whole not knowing where you are mm-hmm. in the race plays back to the adventure racing. Mm-hmm. Because you really, for a lot of races, have no idea how you're comparing to other teams. Yeah, and that downhill down to the beaver pond falls into Rob falling on his head. Yeah. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's very He simple. skied that a lot better than he rode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think it's a little bit more, it's not super technical if you've done a lot of racing outside of you know this area. It's not super technical, but for the Rochester area, it's a little bit of a different terrain than people are used to. People are used to roots and stuff, but there's quite a bit of rocks and stuff that, you know, if you go to some place like I know previously Dan and uh, 
those guys were talking about Rothrock and stuff and, you know, how Mort went down there and had, you know, really rallied a big group of people to go down and do Rothrock and stuff. And that's an entirely another level. But, like, for around here, I think a lot of people are shocked by that because they don't, like... Because they're all wusses. Where are these rocks? Like, you know, I think it's, <laughs> I think it really challenges people in a little bit different. And yeah. it's kind of, it's, it's cool. Yeah. None of those rocks have found their... None of those rocks have found their forever home. You know, they're all they're all willing to move right under your feet. You know, well, yeah. It's all old wusses, young wusses, middle-aged wusses. <laughs> the whole world's gone soft. Am I the only one that cares about the rules? As soon as I started slicing bread for people at the supermarket, it went downhill. <laughs> and then your meat sliced to put on it. Yeah. Jesus, a little jerky. Jesus. A little jerky. Has got anything else you want to talk about? <clears throat> Tired? Time to go. Oh, it's your podcast, man. No, we talk until you guys are done. <laughs> All right. So there's there's uh, on, on top of uh, new uh, new race at Cummings. There's mild rumor that there will be an adventure race next September within an hour of Rochester. Next September, ten to twelve hours. That band up, come on out. It sounds awesome. You've been challenged. I'm ready. I'm ready. I don't have any races after June 24th, so I'm good to go. I just don't know how to paddle a canoe, ride a bike, or use a rope. You only need one person on your team to know any of those things. Oh, relay. No, not relay. You all have to stay together. You get get your one person that's a navigator. Mm. That's all you need. And you're good to go. That's exciting. In September. Yes. Yeah, you guys don't have anything in September, huh? Right before you start your adventure racing season. Yeah, we race a lot in October. That's that's always a tough part for us is we want to do a race, but at the same time, that's also when we want to do a lot of races. Yeah, that's when it starts. Putting on a running race or a trail race or a snowshoe race is far less intensive than an adventure race. Mm -hmm. Because all the reconnaissance and like changing the course and permitting and everything else that goes into that is different because every year that changes. Mm -hmm. As a a trail race, you're fine and tweak, but most of it's the same each year. You're dealing with the same people, the same course. You don't have to. You don't have to remark it. You don't have to redo everything. Like, but adventure races, you can't do that. Somebody's like, "Oh, I know this goose race. You go here, then you go there, then you go exactly. there." Exactly. So every year, it's a it's a new investment of your time and effort that you know. So it's it's a tremendous like, input of resources. I'm going to start learning how to ride a bike then. Do it. It's in September, so there won't be any snowshoeing. And if you want to dabble in adventure racing, we all suggest trying Green Mountain Adventure Racing in Vermont, out of Burlington. Yeah, they the do a phenomenal MRI. job. That's exciting. Wow, look at that. Ratowski drops the bomb at the end of the podcast. Hour seven, he drops the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, it's usually much later that he's dropping bombs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't talk about the the um, the furious pooper, did we? No, it's probably best we don't. Yeah. Furious it sounds avid. It sounds aggressive. Prolific, maybe. If I knew what that meant, maybe. <laughs> frequent, <laughs> prolific is like frequent. I've never pooped during a race. No, you make it all up right at the end. Yes, I I. Sometimes I feel that my poops need to be shared. <laughs> I don't know how you could go 30. I'd have the 30 hours. Jeez. Burn everything off. There's nothing left. I hesitate about using this word, but sometimes he's loose in how he shares. <laughs> <laughs> Helen, on the other hand, has this thing where he can only poop in a toilet when we're racing. 
I just have. He'll to be running like a I woman have, with eight-inch high heels down the trail, going, "I need to find a toilet because I have to poop." I just have impeccable timing. And Rob and I are like, I "Can't you just go poop?" <laughs> He's like, "Well, isn't there an outhouse coming up?" I'm like, "Well, it's not on the map." Or the or the one race before I just got, before I learned, you know, I discovered two toms, which has been the savior of my life. Like. Two times you don't need any toilet paper. That was right? the amazing. ghost poop. That is amazing. That should be a daily like. It's that a, should be like a daily item for people. It's amazing. <laughs> I can't. Uh, <laughs> that, that was that was several hours of conversation between Rob and Timmy Holland about how you can take a crap with two times in your ass and not have to wipe because it just exactly. slides right off. I mean, off. you need like one square. That's it. You're done. You don't even have to. Beautiful. You don't have to peel a corner off of your fingernail or anything. You just no, it's amazing. Or I saw one square. We were doing, and I was falling behind you guys, and you kept going at me. I wasn't keeping up, and I was literally walking down the trail because I had started chafing so bad between my cheeks, and like. And we had to find I'm an outhouse. Literally out- walking down the trail, holding my butt cheeks apart. It's, we had to find a bathroom terrible. for him to put aquifer or something oh, on yeah, his ass I there just, too. Mm-hmm. He couldn't do it in the middle of the trail. He had to do it daintily. <laughs> It's a delicate operation. Which Rob and I were okay yeah. with because we got to sit down for about 10 minutes. Yeah, so. exactly. I might have taken a nap. I'm good at power naps during adventure races. Yeah, you suck. Yeah, you are. You suck. <laughs> you suck. Yeah. Are you sleeping for the parking lot so for you can, half You can lay hour. down and just fall Meanwhile, asleep. Oh, yeah. So another great story. So we, uh, which race was, was this? Um, 48. The 48 hours. Yeah, wow, wonderful, right? Yeah, where the guy was inspecting uh, yeah, his own anus. and then uh, Liberally applying lube to his asshole in front of us. Yeah, with his nose. That was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, some kind of Cirque du Soleil ass lube applier. We're in a parking with... lot, and we're waiting, and there's a guy over there, and he's reapplying. Like, most guys, like bike riders and stuff, are user for, like, shaming cream and stuff, and you're usually pretty liberal with that stuff. So this guy just drops trout in the middle of the parking lot, and we're, I don't know, 15 yards away from him, and he just bends over, just gives us the old chocolate starfish right in the face. It's like one of those plywood cutouts of an old lady with their bloomers, you know? And he does, I don't know, like the four-finger hand scoop in the Crisco or whatever, and then just does the reach back and around, bent over, and then just... And it was that was probably one of the most. Disturbing. And I was changing a flat tire. That was one of the most disturbing things I've seen. I gotta be honest with you. Well, now I was taking a six minute power nap. I was changing a flat Rob's tire, and I asked Timmy and Rob what we should do next. And Timmy answers, and we look at Rob, and this some bitch is sleeping. <laughs> He's sleeping with a pil- with his helmet as a pillow, and on the on the asphalt, just out. Quality. Yeah. And you just bounce up, and you get going right after that. Yeah, and you slept through the whole incident. I, I hate did. You. Yeah. He has nightmares about it still. <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it's terrible. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be paying someone. Uh, it's actually good for this because this was free, but I'm going to be paying someone later in my life. Very cleansing. It is, actually. That's why we do these podcasts, so you can get this stuff out. Whew. I don't know. I mean, jeez. I thought running naked up the demoralizer was going to be it, but. Oh, no, that's. <laughs> No, I thought Whatever. I thought that would be a nice story to end on, but now the chocolate well, star, the chocolate starfish. I mean, you, you know. can't. It was a greasy chocolate. It was like three pounds of bacon grease coming out of that starfish. It was it horrible. Was, yeah, I mean that was a four finger dip. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. bad. You got to get Shane on here because she was volunteering and she also witnessed that exact same. Uh, thing oh yeah, deal. We both got the later to be like, oh my god, and then like have this moment where like. Oh my god! Oh Did my you god. see that? We, Did you see yeah, that? So I saw that. Saw you the see same thing and we're like, that was. Uh, Shayna volunteers all, and Diane volunteers all the time too, and. Yeah. We'll start talking about things. She's like, "Oh, did you hear about the guys that did this?" We're like, "No, we didn't hear about that." <laughs> thank goodness, but thank. The 
so Diane was volunteering at Nationals, and this is the one where the white caps and the three foot, four foot swells. And we take off in the boat, so we're just starting in the boat, and all of a sudden this power boat comes up the lake at us. <laughs> and there's already these swells coming in one direction. This power boat's coming after, like, holy shit, this wake's coming off this boat, are going to suck. Like, I don't know which way to point this boat to not roll <laughs> it over. And then all of a sudden the power boat does like this circle around us like it you know yeah like he's trying to ditch people off yeah. his tube it's like. the race director the president of USARA nationals and Diane and they're all drinking beer on this boat taking pictures of the racers yeah. <laughs> but they're circling us yeah, like creating this huge donuts around you and your canoe and you're like oh, that's cool creating like this huge wake in the middle so we almost we actually almost rolled the boat like 200 yards into the paddle because we're getting like just swarmed by this freaking power. Glad you got your publicity shots. (laughs) Yeah, it's freaking phenomenal. It's just like, what the hell? Yep. Good times. Good times by all. I just wish that, I wish that Laura was here. Laura's is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. She's a trooper. Laura's nickname is Joe Kickass because she. She embarrasses all of us. She is so just brutal. She pulled a stick out of her leg like months later. We the first <laughs> adventure race or one of the adventure races I did with her, she crashed at Dryer Road, and she would talk about how her leg kind of hurt. She wouldn't complain about. It, she just kind of talked about. It. So Ian and Laura's and I race, and it was one of those races where you're just heavy bushwhack. So she, I know she was shinning. Uh, so you're hitting your shins against a tree. And because she's only five foot two, three, so I got a foot on her easily. And I'm hitting my shins. So whatever I hit my shins on, she has to crawl over, you know. And then she was at work like a week after that, and she pulled a stick about the size of a golf pencil out of her leg. It's been in there for like two or three weeks. Yeah. She would go to the doctor and be like, I don't know why this wound isn't healing. It's still just pussy. It just wouldn't heal up, and it turns out later there was just... Her salty came out of her leg, like just, just like what birth. the hell, Lord? Oh, there's been like a log in your shin this whole time, like, like oh. I think our favorite joke was one time we were doing we we're doing nationals that and that year I think uh, maybe Technu Team Technu won nationals that year, and there was a hill climb up to the top of the uh, to the this ski mountain or whatever it was and we got up where we had, learned Tim can't they swim. had a time trial and they had to get ride your mountain bikes up the mountain basically and up top we finally got up there you know well after any of these like the top teams and we came through and we were bragging about they're like oh yeah and we're like oh we're like team techno extreme we're like we're like the homeopathic version of these guys <laughs> we're the techno that sucks <laughs> there's like one one millionth of their talent in us <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're like yeah and we were all dying laughing, but I don't think any other people there really appreciated it. I don't get it. <laughs> we don't understand. Clinically determined to be absolutely ineffective. Because we had Rob giving us the breakdown of homeopathy, <laughs> which at least the FDA has finally come around. Yeah. <laughs> so, since we've ragged on others, that's the race where we learned Tim can't swim. Uh, yeah, they all thought I drowned. <laughs> we almost hit. There was a there was a human bodyboarding section down a man-made whitewater kayaking course. Yeah. So the idea was there was going to be a a relay and there was a there's like a national championship man-made whitewater kayaking course. Yes, yeah, so there's like 
rocks and like a concrete channel that they just pump water through. Big, quickly. massive pumps to yeah. start the race too, right? To start the race. Yeah. Well, you had I mean, to run like, up the damn hill to start. Mountain. Yeah. With yeah. your with your boards and whatever wetsuit and whatever you needed because the water was pretty chilly. They gave us boogie boards from five below as our flotation devices. Yeah, and you're supposed exactly. to wear like a PFD, and then you jump into the white water and you hold on for dear life, <laughs> yeah. and then you get out. Oh, and get smashed in the face at least once by your boogie board. Guaranteed. Scrape, scrape your jimmies on the cement. Oh, definitely rest, scrape your stuff. And then the worst part was you had they required you to wear these like elbow pads and knee pads and things, but they didn't actually stay on, and they basically just would immediately fall to your ankles and or your hands, and just became these like, it, like detriments to your ability to like keep afloat they were just terrible so i went first and i went through and i thought i was doing pretty good i was doing all right making my way through the course and then finally it dumps out at the end in the huge reservoir where they keep all the backlog of the water and in this lake they basically it just creates one gigantic eddy i mean like i'm talking like an eddy the size of a football field and they didn't tell us at the time was, i went first i didn't know this like you just basically all you had to do was just do nothing and it would have pulled you around the outside of the lake and dumped you back where you need to be but it looked like a really long way to go all the way around the outside of the lake so i thought i'm like i'm gonna beeline it to the takeout point so i tried to and i basically just got stuck in this gigantic eddy and i and flailing about with everything on me and you're wearing your shoes so you're and you're literally strapped to your board you're tied into a boogie board and you have everything strapped to your hands and you have knee pads around your ankles and you're trying to swim with shoes on you make no headway so i was in there i was in there i was probably i was exhausted thank god for the boogie board. and there and there are the pfds that want to roll you to your back too right i was just so tired because i'm just swimming for everything i'm worth i'm literally going nowhere I'm standing up there waiting to go, and we're looking at all the teams, and their second person is getting in, and they're gone. And then other teams have their second person come up, and their third person is going out, and we're like, um, our guy's not back yet? Has anybody seen our guy? Has anybody seen Tim? <laughs> and people are looking around, and there's a guy with his hand above the abort button to turn off the whole water yeah, system to, to look for the guy. With, like, drag nets and stuff, <laughs> like... This and is, you're just in the middle of the toilet bowl swirling around. I'm stuck like a floater just right in the middle, and I just will not go down. And it was, it was, yeah, it was pretty ugly. I was waiting for them to come out and start to try to like, just hook me with like gigantic hooks like under siege. Like they're just throwing them over the edge and trying to just drag me in like I'm in trouble and I'm like a dead fish. So like you said, everybody has their one breakdown point. That was luckily I, we got that one out of the way. Really, I tried. Right? I know I was trying so hard. <laughs> I just couldn't go anywhere. That was a good day. <laughs> it was, but that we got it out of the way early. And yeah. After that, it was just you know coming down the hill. After that, Rob and I had fun with that one. We did because it turns out that the, you could pull each other on the coming down the ski hill. You could use the boogie boards as sleds. Because it was already raining, so the whole sledding, the whole ski slope was wet. I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> it goes really well until it doesn't. It's <laughs> just like Clark Griswold style. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, exactly. Like a little two times in the bottom. Yeah, and like, I wonder if that's what he greased up that sled with. I'm pretty sure there wasn't a label on it, but it might have been a copyright thing at the time. But hmm. all right, hey, let's be done.
This is great because Chris has tried to turn off the microphone about four times. Already, no, and we keep telling more stories. <laughs> I'm letting you guys. He already did. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> You're actually just telling me. He stories. turned it off an hour ago. <laughs> We had that beer break earlier. That was. That hasn't come back on since. I'm just calling this one friendly. No, I mean I could do this all night. I got nowhere else to be. My kids are already in bed right now, so it's a school night. Uh, I don't go to school. Rob does. I do. Goodbye, high school girls. (laughs) Well, you keep getting older, at least. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, so that was the best part of the whole bike crash was going back to school on Monday <laughs> and having students look at me and try to pretend that there was nothing wrong at all. <laughs> Listen to me. I am an authority. Nobody would say a thing. I was like, you should have seen looked, the other guy. You were pretty wounded after that. I was that. fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw the Rob. Oh, I saw the Rob, yeah. So, uh, I'll throw another one out there. Uh, six years ago, we, we did these winter challenge races. And Ian and Laura's put them together. And it's this little four-hour winter adventure races. And I go, Rob, you want to do this race with me? He's like, I don't know. You guys do these stupid 10-hour races. I don't know if I can do this. And we're up in Webster, and it started snowing. And the bike the bike leg was horrible because it was snowing, and the tracks and for the guy in front of you are disappearing. It's snowing so fast. So Rob and I circle back around. And I go, well, we got to go pick up these couple points on foot. So we get out there. And we're out there for like 20 minutes. So we've been out there for like three hours now to this four-hour race. And Rob's just like, I don't know. You guys are stupid and crazy. I don't know how you guys can do this for 10 hours. This is ridiculous. And we're on foot for like 20 minutes. And uh, Rob and I basically stopped and just kind of walked back to the bikes and we ended up being an hour late for this four hour adventure race because I couldn't cut it Rob just kind of gave up he's just kind of like I'm, I'm done I'm, can you carry me <laughs> and I'm like sure so we get back to the to the bikes and I had a couple beers in my bag so we rode back you know drinking beers on our bikes down Lake Road up in Webster you know and pulling it was like ah oh, you're an hour late we're like yeah whatever we're already like halfway through a sixer between the two of us <laughs> So that was about six years ago, and and Rob gave up after like the first hour and a half or so. And now he does thirty hours. And and now none of us can stay with him. <laughs> Can't even come close to contemplating to, to sticking with with him anymore. It's just he's the one. He said he'll just trudge on. He right? does. That's it. So he's he's quick. Ugh. It's gross. Sleep deprivation scares the hell out of me. I can't it's do. It's sl- a wild drug. I can't do sleep. It's not that bad. It, it comes and goes different ways, and like you said, like the, the when dawn comes again, the it's amazing how much better you feel. Like just that circadian rhythm resets, and your body goes, "Oh, all right, time to go," and you're like, "Oh, I'm good." Uh-huh. Like you get a the second wave. Like it's it's it is pretty awesome though watching dawn rise, and you're like, "Oh, cool." Because you're constantly moving, it it's not as bad. Yeah. Um, well, what's the most important question that, that Chris O'Brien wants to ask? I don't know. I, I was going to ask. The only other question I was going to ask is, um, if you were a Simpsons character, what character would you be? 
That's the only deep thought Can we question take calls I had. from our viewers instead? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you understand how this works. Yeah. Can I like, phone a friend? Is that still a thing? Can I phone a friend? Is that a thing? Uh, I'd probably be um, scratchy or itchy. <laughs> I kind of had you pegged as a Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, Ralph. <laughs> I'm Ralph. I ate my red crayon. <laughs> I bet my Wookiee. <laughs> I like sleep. That's why I'm a pirate. I see Mort as a sideshow bub. Okay. <laughs> really, Mort? What is you're gonna take sideshow bub? Honestly, I don't know the show, so uh, <laughs> I, I was afraid that I'm, one of you were gonna say you don't know the show. I, yeah, I don't know the characters. This makes me. Do I not want to be such a bum? Ah, it makes me sad. As You're all. the bumblebee guy. Not with your hair. <laughs> <laughs> <Ay>, Dios mio. <laughs> you should be the bumblebee guy. Yeah, I always, I always think of Rob as Flanders. <laughs> Rob's a good old, good old Flanders. <laughs> that cuts diggity deep. <laughs> I don't know. I just do. I don't know why. I diddly ho. Like when Flanders went crazy and ran naked through town. <laughs> and you're just a giver. You're just a you're just a giver, Rob. Does that make Helen Smithers? <laughs> oh. You could be a Smithers. Yeah, sure, I could. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could be, but it would make my eyes well. I was gonna. I thought you would be Mo. Like Mo. Mo. instead Mo. of itchy or scratchy, Mo. I totally thought you'd be Mo. But Mo works. <laughs> I think his aspirations are too high to be me. In fairness, more uh, a sideshow pop does sideshow pop does drive the canyon arrow. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, when, I don't know. Like, yeah, where, where you go? I don't know. Quimby, you could be a mayor, Quimby. Doctor Nick Riviera. <laughs> you could. Inflammable means flammable. <laughs> <laughs> That country. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? According to DJ Lars, I think we'd all be the mole men. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just sad. No, we like, just get up and keep going. Life can't, you know, life can't get you down. You just get up, brush yourself off, and go again. That is the mole man, isn't it? You ever heard the new DJ Lars? Do you know who DJ Lars is? No. Uh, well, you're missing out there, but. I mean, the mole man's a hearty, a hearty spirit. You've just. You've just re-envisioned the Mole Man for me. If you're going with that end, then I would say maybe people should watch The Gunfighter, and you know, which is voiced by Nick Offerman. And I really think because that really speaks to like a kind of a utopian future where everyone needs to be more understanding of you know each other's deep dark secrets and you know who they are as a person. And accepting. Cut. Was that? <laughs> <laughs> So, just to be clear, Two Toms did not sponsor this show. Though, I'm beginning to wonder if Holland is an ambassador for them. I think I counted it at least four separate times that he brought up their product. I don't know. So, you may have heard us mention the snowshoe races are now a series. That basically means that we are now extra incentivized to, to, uh, you know, run all the races. You know, cause uh, points. Who doesn't? Who doesn't like points, right? You get points, you get prizes, and 
everybody knows that goose races have awesome swag. So I can't even imagine what they're going to cook up for this kind of thing. But I'm I'm not making any promises. It could just be another entry into a goose race. You know, like maybe Money Sneaker or something. I don't know. The first race is January 7th with uh, Frozen Assets. So that's down at uh, Harry Hollister, Harriet Hollister Spencer Park uh, in Honeyway. I can, it's easy for me to say that, right? It's like a it's like a 5K race, and the course is beautiful. Awesome party afterwards. Uh, two weeks later, uh, Sunday, January 15th, is the Winterfest. That one's at Menden Ponds Park. It's got the awesome run near, around, backwards, across the Menden 10K loop. For those of you that might be familiar with that, it's like the 10K loop, but not, and some of it. So it's reminiscent of some of your favorite parts. Then the six-hour Cast a Shadow Snowshoe Relay and Solo Race on February 4th. It's six hours with a, a little bit of a twist, depending on the groundhog, of snowshoe racing at Black Creek Park. And then the series finale will be the brand-new Nordic Fest 10K snowshoe race at Cummings Nature Center on February 18th. The proceeds from that race go to the Cummings Nature Center and Genesee Valley Nordic Ski Patrol. So you heard Tim talk a little bit about that in the podcast, which is pretty cool. Plus, at the end, you're guaranteed some hot grub and the award ceremony, as I mentioned, which is, I'm sure, to be a blast. So there's a flyer on their website. I'll link to it in those show notes that I'm always talking about, you know, those. And before we go, I'd like to tell you about longtime sponsor, Josh Stratton, LMT. You think you know this ad. You think... Okay, I know exactly what he's going to say. He's going to say, Josh is a licensed massage therapist. And usually he says licensed much better than he did that time. You're thinking, he's going to say that Josh knows the treatments that active athletes need. He's going to say his office is located inside Sports Peace T in Winton Place. And to use the code, hot, this is new, you don't know. Well, you do, if you heard last episode, website. Use the code WEBSITE when booking during December for 15 bucks off a 60-minute massage. Also, I hear Josh is selling gift cards. So maybe you know someone that's on the brink of an injury, but you know they're too cheap or stubborn to go get a massage? Just push them over the edge with a gift from Stratton Claws. Yeah, see, holidays, gift, Stratton Claws, good times. So... Anyways, head out to his Facebook page at facebook.com slash LMT or find that link in the show notes to learn more and to book an appointment. Tell him you heard it about it here on the podcast. Use this month's secret code website. He'll give you 15 bucks off a 60-minute massage. So what is normally 65 bucks for an hour will be 50 bucks. Thanks to Josh for continuing to sponsor this show. Be sure to check out the episode show notes at runninginsideoutpodcast.com slash 041 for links to some of the topics in the episode, like two toms, the frigid infliction, the Allegrippus trail system, and the list of upcoming goose races, as well as information on our sponsors, Rochester Running Company and Josh Stratton. You can also find links to our Strava Run Group and the Patreon page. Thank you to all of this month's Patreon supporters. Your continued financial support helps me keep improving this podcast. 
If you look forward to this podcast each week and it inspires you, educates you, or entertains you, guaranteed this one probably only did two out of the three, uh, consider becoming a Patreon supporter. Check out the homepage and click the Patreon banner. Please know that any amount of support is appreciated. Thank you. And if you want to chat about this episode with other listeners or just simply share your stories from your own goose racing adventures, drop a line on the Facebook page or shout at me on Twitter at runinsideout. Also, consider joining our Running Inside Out Slack where we talk about all manner of things from recent episodes to our latest and greatest run. It's sort of like what the internet was before social media was invented. It's just the social part. So if that sounds like your kind of place, check out Strava Group or the sidebar of the website for a link that will get you a Slack invite. Thank you all for listening, subscribing, and telling your friends. Thanks for sharing your stories and getting out there to create more stories. Until next episode, be thankful for what you've been given, be proud of what you've achieved, and let go of what you lost. See you out there.